millions of people every day are reaping the health benefits of using cannabis oil, also known as CBD. This new product derived from hemp has fascinated doctors and scientists around the world for its powerful effects on the human body. If you are in need of alternative methods for health empowerment, please visit www.naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. CBD is now legal in over 40 states, and our products are non-psychoactive and contain less than 0.3% THC levels. We also offer products for household pets. Naturalhempoil.com does not claim to treat cancer, PTSD, epilepsy, anxiety, insomnia, joint pain, eczema, or any chronic condition that you may have been diagnosed with. Please consult with a doctor before you take CBD. Results may vary, so give our natural CBD a try at www.naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. Visit naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. When it comes to stubborn belly fat, we're all searching for a miracle pill. Generally, you have to use multiple products that target belly fat differently to manage excess weight around the stomach. Some products may focus on abdominal exercises or dietary changes, while others might focus on boosting metabolism or controlling cravings. But believe it or not, I may have found a solution that removes the need for juggling through multiple weight management products. It's called Belly Trim, and it's more effective at targeting belly fat, enhancing metabolism, and promoting a toned midsection better than most weight management products I've seen typically found on store shelves. Tens of thousands of five-star reviews back up the notion that Belly Trim is not only a breakthrough in a bottle, but that it also removes the need for us to use countless diet pills and fat-burning supplements. But there's more. If you place your order for Belly Trim now, you'll also receive 51% off free VIP live health and fitness coaching for life, two free new ebooks titled Top 10 Foods That Burn Belly Fat, and Top 10 Exercises to Reduce Belly Fat, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee, and last but not least, free shipping. Simply go to www.trimwithus.com. That's www.trimwithus.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's www.trimwithus.com. Order now. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. Talk to enough people, and you'll soon realize nearly everyone's shocked at their recent electricity bills. Some studies reveal energy costs have skyrocketed by as high as 60% in as little as two years. That's why tens of thousands are installing this magical little device from SavePowerBills.com to help slash their energy bills. This sophisticated gadget stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your appliances and electronics. Simply plug it into your home wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this device is one of the most efficient ways to save money while beating the greedy power companies. But there's more. If you order now, you'll also receive 65% off, fast shipping within the USA, hassle-free returns, and last but not least, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee. Just go to SavePowerBills.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's SavePowerBills.com. Violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed. Just recently, a politician was carjacked by three armed attackers outside his home in Washington, D.C. This comes several months after another politician was assaulted in the elevator of her building. Between mass shootings, kidnappings, burglaries, and carjackings, it's never been more vital to learn how to protect yourself. This is why tens of thousands are choosing the Fighter Flare Flashlight. The Fighter Flare Flashlight has awed people with a wonderful design and massive light output. On top of an ultra-bright 800-lumen light, it boasts powerful strobe lighting modes for self-defense, a glass breaking hammer, a built-in power bank, solar-powered recharging, rope cutter, siren, and much more. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this flashlight is the latest and greatest in the EDC market. But there's more. If you place your order for the Fighter Flare flashlight now, you'll also receive 66% off, free express shipping, and last but not least, a 100% lifetime guaranteed replacement. Simply go to www.fighterflare.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. 
www.fighterflare.com. Order now. Something wicked is coming this way, and only fools are ignoring the signs. So it's time you became a financial prepper like thousands of others. Gold can travel anywhere. It's international. It's its own currency. Allocate to gold now, the timeless safe haven asset. Open an IRA with noble gold investments to physically hold coins and bars and let real, tangible gold, not just paper, save your portfolio as the economy burns again. Right now, Noble Gold Investments offers a free 3-ounce silver American virtue coin with every qualified IRA. Just use the promo code code GOLD to claim your free coin and secure your family's financial future. Go to noblegoldinvestments.com now. noblegoldinvestments.com This performance may not be indicative of future results. Investing in precious metals, including gold, involves risks. Consult with your tax attorney or financial professional before making an investment decision. Statements or opinions of its guests, advertisers, or even its viewers. The information contained in this program is not to be construed as medical or legal advice. An appearance on this platform is not necessarily an endorsement, but as always, we encourage you to do your own research. Enjoy the show. Good evening, everyone. And welcome back to another episode of Saturday Night Livestream. Joining me in the studio tonight for the very first time, Miss Kristen Ruby. She is the founder of Ruby Media, and she's an independent journalist. She has been releasing a bombshell report about Twitter's use of AI and machine learning to censor topics, language, and subjects that it only affects one half of the eye, we'll say that. But we'll talk about it in depth once we get Kristen on the air. But it is absolutely nothing new, I think, to people watching this program. But what's fascinating is uh, how similar it is to the way that we first discovered censorship through machine learning and AI over on YouTube and Google. Uh, it seems like they have a playbook on this stuff. And who knows, maybe they developed it in concert with each other. I don't know, I can't say, but we'll ask Kristen about that. Do me a favor, everyone. Please don't forget to like and share the broadcast. If you're over there on Rumble, you hit that thumbs up. If you're on Odyssey, you hit the flame. If you're on Voxel, you hit the red pill. And so on and so forth. Remember, the first half of the show is on Rumble at all, all of these other platforms. But the second half of the show... We are going to be exclusively taking calls over on the foxhole, so maybe sh- make sure that you join at pilled.net. Sit back, relax, grab your popcorn, and Kristen and I will be right back after this. All right, welcome back to the program, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us, and please join me in welcoming our guest for the very first time, Miss Kristen Ruby. Kristen, how are you tonight? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. 
Awesome. It's my pleasure to be able to have you. I uh, just want to tell everybody I, I was able to uh, have the pleasure of inviting Kristen onto the show because my good friend Zach Voorhees put us in touch uh, based upon her research and the story that she was uh, trying to put out there on her own website and on Twitter. Of course, as I said in the introduction, kind of parallels the work that Zach has been doing. Uh, and since that time, Kristen, I've seen uh, that you've done a number of other podcasts. Recently, you've done Dinesh D'Souza. Dinesh has been a guest on the program before. A lot of respect for him. So I sincerely really appreciate you being here with us tonight. So let me ask you this, Kristen. Before you were reporting on this information from inside the bowels of Twitter, what were you doing? What's your background? So uh, my company is Ruby Media Group. I do PR, content marketing, personal branding, and social media. I've been doing that for over 15 years. So I work with a lot of different entrepreneurs and I uh, help enterprise clients with all sorts of social media related things. Over the past I would say two years, I've been really interested in artificial intelligence. All of that started out with my addiction to buying lifetime deals on different sites and buying software. So, you know, none of this was really new to me. This, I I will say I was just like, I've been really interested in this topic now for a while. So that's how all of this came about. Well, it's pretty fascinating. I mean, uh, artificial intelligence has been kind of the topic du jour for a while now, and it seems to be seeping into virtually every aspect of our life. It's uh, almost inescapable at this point. I think a lot of people are frightened by that. And when you look at the information you're putting out, it's even more dystopian and frightening. Um, But again, it seems like something that we really can't avoid. Uh, So we have to strike this balance between using a very powerful and potentially, you know, totalitarian tool, uh, you know, versus, you know, finding a way that we can actually use it and, and take a benefit from it. So I think the tool is really a byproduct of the, the people that create the tools. And so that, that's the, the point of distinction that I think is, is so important to get across that, um, AI, not all AI is bad and not all AI is dangerous, but AI used in the wrong hands by the wrong people and for the wrong purposes can be incredibly dangerous. And so I think that's part of the reason why I'm talking about this or trying to open up the national conversation about this is because we really need more talent to win the AI war right now in America. Uh, we stand to lose everything on a, on a global scale if we don't step it up. China ha- it has far surpassed us already in terms of what they're doing with AI. And a perfect example of that is if you look at the data that I've shared, I mean, look, look at how the, the top big tech companies in America are using AI against their their own citizens versus for for much different reasons and and that is really concerning i will also say i had several outside data scientists review the data that i shared one thing that was really interesting is um i think it's in my article it says data scientist number five and that under that it's that person stated that they basically had uh came they came to america to flee uh from uh china Mm-hmm. And they came back here only to find a lot of the same tactics being used mm-hmm. against citizens. And so when they looked at that data, they thought that it was extremely similar to exactly the types of stuff that they saw uh, in China. And they also said uh, the way that people get around that in China is that they start using other words as a form of language to avoid right. this. Yeah, And, you know, that's really the concern. That's, you know, definitely something that uh, I was doing back my, the, the first time I was on Twitter and back when I was still on YouTube, we, we started learning that, you know, certain things were going to be setting off the algorithm. And if we were to say them, then the video was going to get, get shut down or it was going to get demonetized and then people weren't going to see it. So 
I, even today, I mean, the people who are still on YouTube, I see them getting really creative with the way that they say things. Uh, you know, I think that the point that you bring up about China is uh, pretty much dead on. I mean, it, I think that we saw this censorship regime get put into place in China. And I think it's well known that like Google and other technology companies were working with the Chinese Communist Party a long time ago to help them develop their own access to the Internet and, and help them to control the information that was uh, moving back and forth between people on Online. I mean, from the very beginning, uh, they have shut down certain types of speech and they wanted to shut down certain subjects. So I, it feels like they implemented this initially in China, you know, one of the largest countries in the world. I, actually, I mean, I think it's like tied between them and India. Maybe it's a little bit more one way or the other. But then they exported it over here to America. Now, I, I, I'm wondering, do you think that there was some level of collusion between these large tech companies in the way that their systems were developed? Or do you think that each of them individually created just a very similar methodology of shutting down certain types of speech? So that's a really interesting question. As of now, I only have access to the, the data from Twitter. I would, it would be really interesting if we could have a Facebook files or a Reddit files yeah. or a Google files. Although I know that, that Zach technically did, um, his own version or the original Google files with what he shared with natural language processing and their machine learning, uh, or machine fairness, uh, program and those files he shared. But he shared, I think, 950 pages, right? Of yeah. documents, which is incredible and a, and a great, uh, valuable contribution to all of this. So it's a good question. I'm, I'm not sure without seeing the data from those from those other places but i think that there's many different um agencies involved in this i think this is not a story that is just about twitter i think twitter is an example of something that's systemic and much larger uh one thing that i found really fascinating over and over and over again when i kept saying where do these words come from who gave you these words for this data set and uh it, it wasn't the person right it wasn't this was not something and this is what really sort of infuriates me when people keep saying oh twitter employees went rogue they didn't go rogue the person that i spoke that i spoke with wasn't going rogue they were doing what they were told mm-hmm. right that's an important part of the story they're doing what they were told that aligned with their mission so they're not necessarily seeing anything wrong with with what they're doing because it again is is what they believe in um the answer to the question was the cdc trust and safety government agencies and academic researchers but Academic researchers was what I heard over and over and over again. And I thought, huh, that's kind of interesting. And then I, once that was a whole other rabbit hole to go down of what that really looked like and is an important part of the story. So can you identify some of those academic researchers? Are you, are you talking about think tanks? Are you, are you talking about uh, kids that are in their doctoral or thesis programs that are doing studies on uh, online hate and white supremacy? So w- without naming them, I'll say there's some of the, the the academic researchers who are funded by the government who focus on, quote unquote, disinformation, mm-hmm. social media disinformation. Um, you know, I think you had something. It, it would be the equivalent of that truth ministry that was created and right. sort of Nina. <laughs> dismantled. Um, so I think and by the way, some of those same academic researchers are now involved with the report that OpenAI just put out recently. And so they sort of go from. Uh, sector to sector, from company to company. And what, what's really interesting is they, they make these recommendations, but they're not really just recommendations because the data scientists are looking at that and saying, like, they're the trusted expert. Mm-hmm. They have domain expertise. So I'm going to do what they say because this must be right. There's, there's no one in the middle of that process that's saying, wait, is this right? Is this actually misinformation? 
And so that's how all of this is is in a cyclical effect. It's like a, a virus or a cancer metastasizing itself around your body. They go from one to the other, infecting it along the way. And then once their particular perspective is injected into the project, then I think that's uh, it's maybe a, a, a difficult uh, package to begin to unwrap again. I believe that the big, the largest issue that I uncovered in all of this was not Twitter. And that's going to that's going to probably offend people listening to this because they very much want it to be Twitter. But Twitter is system. What happened there is systemic of a larger issue. And the fact that I'm seeing these same academic researchers now move over to OpenAI and do the same thing. And if you look at our policy recommendations, after looking at their policy recommendations, I could see the similarities of what they're saying are recommendations and them actually being hard coded on the back end with the data that I looked at. That to me is the scariest part of this, right? So this is not just about any one company. Mm-hmm. This is about an overall, uh, institutional level of corruption at the highest level in academia, where a lot of these people are put on such a pedestal. They're funded by the government to do this research. By the way, Biden just funded more research um, in this area. And so so they are fueling it. Our government is actually fueling this, right? So is that Twitter's fault? No. Like, if someone wants to take responsibility, it probably has to start at the government level. They're the ones funding it. And right. that's not a conversation anyone really wants to have. Well, I, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. I'm, I'm, I'm more than happy to have that conversation. I think that uh, I, I don't want you to uh, uh, think too little of the audience. These guys are pretty smart. I think they recognize that corporations on their own are, are, are cold and unfeeling entities. I mean, they exist to serve the will of the people who are running them. So I think you make an important distinction there. I mean, this is leadership uh, and this, I guess, would be the federal government. I mean, we've seen in the Twitter files, you know, that have been released uh, on some of the other subjects. And nobody's really seemed to touch on this except for you, uh, that government censorship is a really big problem. And I guess I'm really interested to know, like, what did you find that directly shows the government was saying, hey, I don't want you guys. You know, can you find a way so that people won't talk about this or t- shut down this type of misinformation or discussion about the election, et cetera? Well, so in, so I have hard data. I don't have actual screenshots of emails uh, like the other reporters have. Okay. However, I think that would certainly be helpful. And I think that's there, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of missing pieces that we really need, which I've talked about on Twitter. I publicly said I need to be able to make record requests. I'm giving you half of the story, the other half of the story, because I'm working backwards here. I'm looking at detections and then we're we're making really an educated guess as to, okay, based on these lists, these arrays, and these words that are all detected, you put that together backwards, this is what the underlying uh, vocabulary looks like. It would certainly help if the current leadership at Twitter would release what that vocabulary looks like, because that's going to be written in plain English that anyone could understand. Right? That's not a technical uh, document. There is a document also that is used for uh, manual review, and that trains all content moderators. That would do wonders for transparency if those documents were released uh, alongside the data that I've shared, because that will really help non-technical people understand what was going on here. Uh, but to answer your point or your question, we need to see that as well, right? So I can tell you what I see and how uh, I believe these words were used, but 
you would actually, to show that line, that trail of evidence that you're referring to, you need to have screenshots of those emails, which actually shows, okay, here's what this academic researcher who's funded by the Biden administration said to XYZ, a trust and safety on this date. But instead, they're investigating the person who's the head of trust and safety. Mm-hmm. They're not really looking at the people who are uh, responsible for uh, the quote unquote responsible AI and machine learning uh, division at Twitter. Which is, which is almost incredible to me. It's incredible that anyone would have a hearing on social media censorship and not bring those people into this conversation. It shows just a complete lack of technical awareness of how the majority of this is being done. And I think that that's really hurting the public at large. I also think it's just embarrassing that the elected officials seem to be more concerned with how their personal Twitter accounts were treated or suspended rather than the constituents who they were elected to represent. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's the difference here. Yeah. In many ways, I call them the Dem files because that's what I think about them. I think that they are elitist. I think they show, uh, they don't really show the story of what happened to the average American who's not an influencer who may have had just a few hundred, um, a few hundred followers. And so every time they keep getting answers about their account, that is not a valid answer about how regular accounts were censored, which is what this data shows. And I think that hurts the collective public understanding of how natural language processing can be used to modify language at scale. Yeah, when I got my Twitter back about a month and a half ago, I had uh, roughly 100,000 fewer followers than I did when I was deleted. So I can only imagine that those 100,000 or so other people are probably among that group that lost their accounts over some, you know, banal reason. I mean, talking about the their, their feelings about the election, whatever it might be, or their feelings about a political candidate or their support for President Trump. Uh, you know, so many people lost their accounts and they don't have the the cachet to be able to uh, say, hey, you know, you know, I'm an independent journalist. Give me my account back. You know, Elon said I can have it. Uh, it's a little bit more difficult for just the average everyday person. And to be honest, you know, we've all got a lot going on in our lives right now. Things are a lot crazier than they were two years ago. Uh, and I think it's also in regards to the uh, the hearings, I'm, I'm hoping that this is just the start, you know, I mean, like Yul Roth and uh, Vajigaje or whatever her name is. And, you know, all of those people, Jim Baker, former FBI <laughs> employee, Jim Baker, those are important people, you know, uh, because it's the top of the food chain. But I was really shocked and surprised to see the exchanges between Yul Roth and Elvis Chan and others in the government, you know, from the ODNI and, uh, and the DOJ and the FBI. I mean, it really shows this like top down effort to uh, insist that certain things be allowed on the platform and other things not be allowed on the platform. But that AI portion is totally non-existent. Those nameless academics, they all, they're always in the shadows and yet yeah. they have so much power because they yes. can really push policy. I think they have, I think in many respects, they have more power than most of the people that are being investigated. And that's what's really sort of like, you never see anyone question them, right? You you actually keep seeing them getting elevated. Like there's never any downside. There's never any risk. There's like, they do not go, uh, they don't take the stand. And Mm -hmm. that to me is, is really concerning. Um, I think we're looking at some of the wrong people, um, for these, um, social media censorship crimes. That's a problem. I'm not sure why that keeps happening. Um, well, the FBI is the 
the FBI and trust and safety, that's the shiny object, Kristen. You know, I mean, like, that's what they can put out there. It's easy to, to, to blame that, you know, say, hey, look over here and don't look over here. Don't talk about Cambridge Analytica or whoever is the uh, the person that had something, whoever was on TikTok that was also working at Harvard and uh, telling uh, Twitter exactly what they should and shouldn't be talking about. You know, what pronouns should be listed in people's bios and which ones shouldn't. You know, I can only imagine, uh, you know, how deep this goes and the types of things that you found in there. Let me ask you this. How did you get access to this information? How were you chosen and what was the process for it? Do you still have access so that we can get the info that we don't have to fill in the answers? So, uh, so I, do I still have access to the data and the documents? Yes. Well, obviously you've got access to the data you were given, but can you go back for a second dip? <laughs> Not sure I can answer that on here, but I, I will say that I, uh, I, I have it. I, there's a lot of stuff that I have in terms of, of the data and documents, and I continue to share more of it as I can. But there's also certain legal questions about that data, right? I'm sort of asking questions to Elon Musk about this publicly on Twitter. I don't have a direct way of getting in touch with him uh-huh. like he, without doing this in public, which is just very strange and odd. I, I, so I'll refrain from providing commentary on that. How was I? I don't think I, I, I don't know the answer to that. I, I'm not sure that, um, I was quote unquote chosen. I think that I'm naturally interested in the topic. I reached out to, to someone, uh, and I followed up with that person, uh, when I did, when I wanted to know what guano meant. That's how all this got started. So guano, I think part like of the, bat guano. Yeah. Because, uh, so all of this started with my frustration with the reporting because in Barry Weiss's reporting, she put out a picture of it's of libs of TikTok, the back end. And then on the, I think it was on the left hand side, it said guano. So really. I looked at that and I'm like, what do all these terms mean? And of course, the answer had to do uh, with with data and data science. And that's how all this started for me. So I had another question and, and you know, two months worth of questions. So okay. this is like right, completely, so you just I wasn't. Gu- you gumshoot it. <laughs> well, I, um, what does this mean? Gumshoe? I don't know. What that oh, like, is. I mean, like a detective, you know, I mean, like the. It's an old yeah. term, like Philip Marlowe, gumshoe, like you literally just like walking around, uh, you know, beating the streets, pounding the pavement. You went out and found the answers. So, I mean, my point is that like you Twitter didn't reach out to you. And I mean, Barry Weiss, no. you know, I tend to think that they probably reached out to Barry Weiss. Hey, no you know, w- would you guys like to be a part of this? We're going to give you this information. So th- that's not the way it happened for you. I'm though. very you, clearly not a part of it. They, yeah, they couldn't yeah. have made that any more clear. Yeah. So, <laughs> That's what's so crazy. You have, this, you have one group of people that are like all associated and have been asked, like you're saying. And then mm-hmm. there's me, like this lone wolf completely on. That's why I call it the Ruby files, mm-hmm. because people were they keep tagging these other reporters, asking them to verify my work. How could they do that? Yeah. We're not working together. Like, I can't verify their work. They can't verify my work. Like, the whole thing's crazy. It is. It's honestly a, a little odd. Um you know, because so but but, you know, at this on the other side of the token, Elon Musk has commented on your work. I mean, however brief, you know, I mean, he he said at least on uh, on your Twitter files, uh, well, not on your Twitter files on your Twitter profile. He said this is worth a look or something like that. I mean, suggesting he said, that he said worth a read. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, he also has access to to my DMs, So I'm sure if he's saying that, like, I mean, he, he's not coming. 
we know that it's legitimate, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he's not saying it's not. He's for him to say that. I think we we all know it is. Um, but I think there's there's larger underlying issues with all of this, right? Because the the documents that I'm asking to be released could 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 signify something even worse, right? In terms of underlying I, IP and some of the things that another whistleblower brought up in their and their complaint, and also in terms of what he brought up, his attorneys brought up in an SEC filing when they tried to back out of the deal in terms of the underlying uh, machine learning models used for Twitter. I'm not sure if any of that's been fixed or if they've acquired the IP rights to that, but basically, I'm you know asking for something that is is a big question mark at, at this point. So. Tell us what, what was that issue in the SEC filing? I mean, I, I, I'm not certain that I know what it is. Please. Oh, sure. Um, so uh, there was a, a whistleblower that was previously, I believe, employed at Twitter who brought up the fact that Twitter's machine learning models, they never truly acquired the underlying IP rights. Oh, to, like they were just borrowing them? Yeah, to their core product offering. And so if you look at um, in, in the SEC filing, like Musk's attorney used that to try mm-hmm. and as leverage to possibly back out of this. Now, of course he moved forward, but here I am, you know, asking for the very thing that they use as leverage to possibly get out of this, which of course I, I think I, I later discovered as, so I've now sort of given up a little bit in terms of asking for that because I realized it may be a lost cause. But listen, the real story here is how natural language processing was used by Twitter to dismantle speech over the past two years, obviously larger than the past two years, but I'm just focused on on that date range. And so I really think that you can't say that you have a a free speech platform and and tell people you're all for free speech without sharing this historical moment of how the very underlying technology was used to dismantle it. Right. Mm -hmm. That's what we need to understand. And so so many people think, oh, you must be anti must because you're asking. No, this isn't about him. I, I haven't met him. I have nothing bad to say about the guy like Sure, he's great. I'm sure he's doing something good. I don't know. I can't make com. I I don't have a judgment until I meet someone. Mm-hmm. But if if this is about free speech, we need those documents to show how speech was dismantled. Without that, I think that we're really doing people a grave disservice to what free speech really means. It's much more than quote unquote what those Twitter files were. It's much worse than anything there. Well, you know, there's there's free speech. And then there's free speech. You know, I mean, like you have the illusion of being able to speak freely and say certain things. But clearly on Twitter, there is still that censorship regime in place. I think there is a lot of uh, technological holdout from whatever the previous uh, uh, executive administration was over there. Uh, and certainly this AI and machine learning censorship regime that they had in place. I mean, I think that's still there, too. Uh, and it's even more sophisticated now than it was when I was on Twitter, too two years ago. What's interesting is that, you know, sometimes I will go to reply to someone's tweet and it, it now tells me like, hey, most people wouldn't say this. <laughs> Are you sure you yeah. want to go ahead and say that? And I've, yeah. I've never I, I've never went ahead and published it, you know, and in that way. I went ahead and changed whatever I assumed was the uh, the offensive word because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to uh, poke the bear right now. I mean, I just got the mm-hmm. account back. But um, but yeah, I mean, clearly it's it's gotten even tighter. And, uh, you know, I think that it's it's easy for people to say, oh, you know, there's there's a, a there's a bank of you know, monkeys or a bank of blue haired weirdos sitting there at their computers at Twitter watching every single tweet go through. But I mean, I think the only way that they could successfully suppress as much speech as they had is if the majority of it is being done by AI and machine learning. What, what yeah, can you tell no us about watching- how does it work? 
No one's watching anything. I mean, 99% of these takedowns are done with machine mm-hmm. learning. And so this is why, like, again, when people are like, oh, Elon, you have a rogue employee. Like, no, he doesn't have a rogue employee. He, what he has is total lack of control over his models. Why does he have that? Because contractors were used all over the world to do some of the most critical functions in ML for Twitter, right? That is just the truth. And when when those models, like there was not this nice, friendly handoff between the people, you know, thousands of contractors were fired. Mm-hmm. Like typically, and I and I talked about this a few months ago, um, how that knowledge is is transferred um, from from one person to the next in acquisition is extremely important. And when it isn't handled right, you lose all that institutional knowledge. And I think I think that's part of what's gone on here. And. I mean, if I were him, it's it's certainly much easier to start over from scratch and to just be honest and transparent and say, listen, like, we need to start over. I need to start over because what he's going to, he, he's always going to be playing whack-a-mole with, with this system that he's inherited. And I believe he probably has a much better chance of making something that he wants to make is if he's making it from scratch because it's going to be his and he's yeah. not going to be fixing someone else's problems. Um, it, it's sort of like, I was thinking about this earlier. It's sort of like when someone says with their WordPress theme from one agency to the next, the, the next agency doesn't want to touch it. They're like, no, I'm not yeah. fixing someone else's stuff. Like yeah. hire us, hire our agency. And we're going to, we're, we're not, we're going to make our, our own theme from scratch. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. No one wants to touch someone else's stuff. So at some point, I think he needs to have that realization, but that realization will also mean, uh, you know, what does that mean for the users on the service? It, it may mean some level of interruption, but I certainly think it, it would be worth it in, in the long run. But, you know, he hasn't come out and said that. He hasn't said, this is going to take me a solid six months to a year to fix, right? I wouldn't be saying what I'm saying if he just said that. Like, instead, I get these cr- at least 20 emails a day from people who read my article who are asking me why they're still shadow bin. I don't know these people. They're asking me, like I know. I don't. I don't work. At Twitter, I've never been employed at Twitter. And furthermore, like, it's not really my job to, to fix other people's accounts and for account support. This is something where I've seen this before, and this is not just a Twitter issue. I saw it on Clubhouse, too, where when you have a leader that's so, uh, you know, this build in, in public um, method, unfortunately, what that means is sometimes you have these other people that are, quote unquote, involved with building or fixing or helping, but it, it's this I have ethical concerns over that. And I, I think that the core functions should be handled by that company rather than other people taking on this role to sort of help or fix because they have domain expertise uh, in an area, even though they have nothing to actually do with the situation. Not sure if that makes sense, but no, no, it, it, it does make sense. You know, I think that there with we're talking about over a decade of code here. I mean, you know, many, many years of building on this platform. And when Elon was handed the keys, you know, I mean, I, I wondered at that time if there wasn't going to be like a poison pill that was included there or, or if the people that were handing it over perhaps couldn't have injected their own bias into the system, you know, saying like, aha, you know, we're going to get you, you know, even though we're not here anymore, we're going to make sure that all of these particular things are going to remain and uh, you're going to continue to be censored in the same way. But I mean, shouldn't we give Elon the benefit of the doubt, Kristen? I mean, he, he initially said my first goal is to make Twitter profitable. And apparently within 90 days, he was able to get them out of the, the red and into the black. Maybe, I believe I maybe have the rest is next. <laughs> I believe I have given him the benefit of the doubt. And I, you know, listen, I thought this whole Twitter file thing was 
was actually about the truth. I get, I, I clearly missed the memo that none of this, like, I, this is my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I feel like I missed the memo that this was some sort of a, uh, a charade or, or something that was far removed from reality because people like me who are really doing the work, you know, if you discover something, you need to be able to keep going with it. Mm-hmm. Like that company can't block that process from continuing. Like that information is, is critical, I think. Uh, not just for my reporting, but for everyone in the country to be able to have. Sure. And so I think it's been a really disheartening experience to see that, like, no, this actually wasn't about that. And if you do find something really great, like, you're just going to, you won't have access unless you're part of those five people. And, and, um, people listening to this will say, oh, she sounds, you know, this isn't, I'm not jealous. Like, I, I'm not whatever. I'm not salty. All these things they say on Twitter. It's not about that. It's about the fact that, like, I genuinely feel that with access, to the missing piece of this puzzle, this could be historical. Like sure. this is the, this is the, we're at like Watergate levels of, of NLP and how this was used around the election to not give out those files. It is. I, I have very, I have a very hard time believing that someone is truly about free speech when they're gating access to, to the files that show how speech was dismantled. So I think that, um, one of the major complaints about the Twitter files uh, for since the very beginning has been that it maybe it's just a limited hangout. You know, I mean, it's uh, a certain a certain amount of information on a certain number of subjects that are sure to whet the appetites of the public. But it's not necessarily a full disclosure of everything that happened behind the scenes. And certainly I think that the information you're talking about would be necessary for the public to truly understand exactly what's going on there and exactly, I guess, how the sausage is made. Um, so, I, you know, I, I, I agree. I agree with you. I understand exactly where you're coming from, um, you know, and a lot of people have been very critical of the Twitter files because it's just been kind of drip fed over time. You know, gradually they're putting out small bits of information and then people are, you know, salivating over these Twitter threads. And then at the end of it, I feel like, wow, I already knew that, you know, maybe there are some people out there who didn't know it. And it's good to be able to get the proof that something along these lines actually took place. Uh, but you're right. I mean, the whole point of this entire exercise, I thought, was supposed to be about free speech. And if we're going to have a truly free platform where people will be able to use Twitter as if it was the town square, the digital town square that it was for so long, uh, then we're going to have to get rid of something like this um so can can you run us through this i mean what is so disturbing about the information contained in what you have published so so the data that i have published um it's it's a small data set of what you know i'm sure there there were many models and many different data sets i just want to say that up front as a disclaimer um it's called political misinformation pertaining to the U.S. However, it, there's also information about Brazil elections and, and you know, countries globally. Um, it, what's disturbing to me is that the category of political misinformation in and of itself would be fine if when we looked at the data, we could see that misinformation existed equally uh, on the left and on the right. However, from what I've reviewed, it appears that political misinformation really only seems to exist on the right. And that becomes a serious problem because if you don't have a quality in that data set of what, of what the very definition of misinformation uh, means, you can really 
uh, change speech on a, on a global scale without people actually ever even realizing it. And, and one of the things I talked about, Jack mentions labeling or sensitive content when in his testimony. There's a difference between the public-facing label, labels that people see for election content or other things and the type of labeling that, that I've reviewed or, da- or data labeling. And I think that that's one way that Twitter was able to get away with, with the narrative around some of this because th- they really publicly only talked about that that front that front end right, labeling. They right. never really talk about the back end labeling. Yes, it's like the, the difference between uh, signal deboosting and uh, shadow banning. We don't shadow ban; we signal deboost. It's all in the definition, and this is actually a tactic that is quite often used by uh, academians and uh, people on the left uh, to control language and to change the the way that people think about things and the way that we talk about things. Kristen, we've got to take a break for the second half of the show. People in the audience, we will be right back. I've got many more questions. We'll see you in a second. All right. I just want to remind everyone in the second hour of the show, the call in portion will be exclusively on the foxhole. I just want to let everybody know this is not going to be for every single show in the future. But obviously, my friends, Matt and Matt, who created the foxhole, they created a true free speech platform where your speech is not regulated. It is not censored. And I can think of no better place to continue this conversation tonight than on a platform where we don't have to worry about what we say, even on Rumble. There is certain speech that is censored and you can find yourself in some hot water, not nearly in the same way as you could on YouTube or even on Twitter today, but it still exists. All right. So, Kristen, let's talk about uh, some of that misinformation, the the label of dangerous misinformation uh, that's kind of been bandied around by the left and by, uh, I guess, the federal government for quite some time. They've used it as sort of a catch all to define an umbrella under everything that they just don't want people to talk about. Certainly the election of 2020, everything related to that was dangerous misinformation. Go back to 2018, 2016. And if you talked uh, negatively about President Trump saying that he stole the election, that was totally fine, (laughs) totally fine. But you can't say it about anybody on the left. What did you find that uh, they were so intent on labeling as misinformation? So I'm going to I'm going to look at um, some examples that I haven't shared yet and and I will um, read. So, for example, various you see election integrity. This is concerning to me. Right. So this tells me that the mere discussion of election integrity is being flagged. Why? Mm-hmm. Like, why can't uh, why can't we question the process of election integrity? Right. Like what like what where what happened to America where we can't even have that conversation mm-hmm. where that has to be flagged in the background? Also, this 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 uh, set here for government agency, where it's almost every single U.S. government agency uh, is is flagged in here. Why? How, I'm how not do you mean? Sure. Do you mean if someone brings up that government agency in yes. in the context of a tweet or in a conversation? In the context of a tweet, right? So here I see ICE, you see CIS, you see DHS, you see, I mean, you see so many of them, and FBI over and over and over again, and. So here's one challenge, prove government agency, FBI issue, interfere, fraud, break, disinfo, right? Laptop, machine, laptop. So it, it <laughs> had Hunter to be like, right there. <laughs> so, the so org, FBI, all of those terms, as you read them in a string, are we are, are you saying that if that that uh, the combination of any of those terms would set off alarm bells or is it just like a set of terms that this particular person wants the AI to keep an eye out for? Combination. Is it the combination? This, this 
this is what made this really this work so hard to do, right? Because we're not talking. This is not just like a banned word list. Mm-hmm. This is because these are terms that they kept saying. Well, in context, and e- in context, we saw this as misinformation. And if you use X number of terms that we viewed, then we gave you a score. And then if you're at 290, then it would, then we would review it. It would be reviewed by us or it would be, uh, reviewed by the algorithm. And so sometimes you would just get ba- bounced back and forth between, um, machine learning review, which I thought was really interesting. Um, I, I don't think people perhaps realize that. I think that they, like humans are not as involved. All of this is going on in the background. Um, one of the things that they said, which is fascinating, is that none of these tweets are reported. Mm-hmm. So that's important for people to understand the context here. So that if you're talking about the FBI and disinfo and wrong and laptop and gov and all of these words, like no one has to report that speech is being problematic. It's already reported without anyone reporting you. Wow. That, like, that, that's that very is, Orwellian. Yeah, I, I think that's like that's the story. right? And also yeah. issue disinfo. Mm-hmm. So to be clear, the disinfo researchers recommended that they plug in for NLP. The mere mention of disinfo <laughs> could be flagged, right? This is what I'm saying. The same thing with election fraud integrity. Like that's concerning to me. This, to me, that's a that's bipartisan. Like that's basically saying we're, we've lost the right to even just dis- discuss it, it, what's going on in this country and. What's more concerning is I don't think people realize it. Mm-hmm. Even yeah. now, I still don't Some think people they realize do. It. Some people do. People watching this program certainly do. You know, I mean, you ask why, and I think you know Occam's razor. The, the simplest answer is probably the, the the correct one, and the reason is that the people who are running this show are responsible for the fraud and the corruption and the illegal activity that we're trying to raise awareness about all the time. I mean, what other reason would they have for us to not talk about election integrity if there wasn't some benefit to them to have the election be inherently dishonest and and broken from the start? Okay, so I have no opinion on that either way. And I think part I think that's part of the reason why I have these files, right? I think this was a really hard story to do. I think there was like 20 hours a day worth of work for me to understand what I'm looking at and like to be able to then learn all of that, then relay that to the public and now be in this position of of speaking for someone else's work and do these follow ups. So I think what I've learned is that that's not work that most most people really want to do or take on. Um, But I I think I think it's really important work well it certainly is absolutely um so uh oh shoot there was something that you said there that i had latched onto and i wanted to continue i know same with. sorry i totally uh. forgot i was like <laughs> i just totally i mean i went off into something else but i wanted to say something that was like really not what i just said oh 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 how far <laughs> did this extend how how far did this censorship and uh and and surveillance regime extend was it only to publicly uh, available tweets uh was it also checking over people's direct messages uh, they mentioned they mentioned that um that they had access to um review dms but i don't have access to anyone's dms so they they sure. may have but i don't um what i have is um the publicly available uh tweets that that people were writing but oh i know what i wanted to say regarding okay. um Go ahead. Why I got the the story because I don't have, I think it was a hard story to get. And I think that a lot of conservatives like to, to be right in the source in my article, I say it like they're talking about very much defending their work. This is not a traditional whistleblower story. This is not a conservative saying that Twitter censored. 
Mm-hmm. This is more so uh, someone who's liberal saying that I'm proud of the work I did and Elon's dismantling my great work. Right. That's a hard story to tell, especially when you have people who are very much so on polar, um, I think, you know, aisles when it in comes to uh, political spectrums here. But I think there's I think there's a really important story in that, because somewhere along the way, we have lost the ability to get the real story from people who we may not agree with on everything. Right. Oh, like absolutely every like this story is something that other conservatives should have been able to do or get. And yet they won't because the mere fact that they're looking at the person they're interviewing as the enemy is exactly the problem. Mm-hmm. And I don't. And I think that that in itself makes people mad because they think, well, how, how could you not? But I just very much so it's like, this is data. I want to objectively look at it. I want to hear the person out. And and I think that that leads to a more fair and balanced understanding of what this means. And the key takeaway for me is that this person, you know, there was not something nefarious going on here. I asked them, I said, did you add keywords in here would anyone notice if you did like the answer was no that tells me that this is really at such a high level that people are deploying a mission that they already believe in Mm -hmm. they're not going around saying i want to censor conservatives and they said that to me they're like no 2000 mules is associated with disinformation right like i didn't I'm going to be honest. I didn't even know what that was when I started this. Like, that's what they're so I, I somehow it's a good feel movie. Like I, I took <laughs> you, you on the most like, like, sh- like politically charged topics of our. It is. So I had to learn what each of these things were. You know, it's interesting. And I, I've, uh, I, I've I've made this point a number of times in the past myself. You know, I mean, nobody goes into a situation thinking they're the bad guy. I mean, you, you're not thinking to yourself, hey, you know, know what I'd like to do is to completely suppress and subjugate anybody who doesn't agree with me. I mean, they truly believe that they have this righteous mission to, I guess, mold language and to mold the public conversation. And they believe that whatever is being said on the other side of the aisle just happens to be dangerous misinformation and yes. somehow is uh, is a threat to democracy itself, you know, even though this is a republic. But yes. so, yeah, yes. so those people, I mean, you know, the, the Nazis probably thought they were doing the right thing, too. You know, I mean, nobody is walking around, uh, you know, invading another nation or uh, doing something terrible to another to uh, another people on planet Earth thinking that, hey, you know, this is sadistic and I'm getting some glee out of this. I mean, they have a mission and they're just going about doing whatever they have to do to uh, to finish it. I mean, I see these people as as brainwashed. You know, I mean, they have been conditioned by the people who came before them that had similar views. You know, it's like uh, Bill Ayers in the Weather Underground, who was a mentor to Barack Obama, who then became president of the United States and did whatever he did, you know, and uh, and this is why it's so this is why it's so dangerous for the younger generation today, because so many of these people who feel this way have infected academia. They've gone into teaching. I mean, you see it on libs of TikTok and, you know, all these other sites that are exposing it. You know, they know that if they can mold the minds of the next generation, then they've essentially going to have they're going to create a society that does their job for them. And we will just naturally become a society that will shun certain types of speech because we're all going to be taught from birth that this is how we should be talking. And all of these other subjects are just taboo and you shouldn't even be thinking about them. Yeah, I, I, listen, I, I think that this in, it all goes back to the, you know, what is disinformation? 
And so someone asked me a question on Twitter. They said, well, how much of that content really was disinformation? And I said, this is a challenging question you're asking because you're going to get two different answers. Mm-hmm. There's half of the country believes that everything I have shared is disinformation. They stand behind this work. The other half does not. And they think, um, they feel very differently. And so how, what, what, you know, put yourself in, the, in that position. If you're hired to do this, right? Like, so who, who's right in all of that? And mm-hmm. so part of, I try to also really put myself in the position of the person whose, whose job this was. And, you know, part of me felt like, <sighs> Like these, the people in these roles are, are, are being used as pawns for things that they may not realize. And then what will happen is they'll go and align with, with the, these institutions, right? Because there's more, listen, it's there, there's publicity opportunities. There's um, more opportunities to rise when you are aligned with left-leaning institutions. Sure. Like that's just a fact, right? So it's, it's a road to career advancement in, in many ways. And I'm not saying that that's what was done, um, specifically here, but something has to change. This is much bigger than Twitter. And I think that if we could just get this full picture out as a case study, that's what this is a case study. We have a rare opportunity. If Elon will actually give us that opportunity to release the, the specific files that I need to share this full story. And then you can take that somewhere. Right. You can then you have a case. This other stuff that they're throwing around is not it's not substantial enough for evidence to show the end to end story of how it starts with the email, who it goes to, how it goes to the academic researcher that was funded by the government. And then how it gets then it goes to trust and safety. Then it gets programmed by a contractor who works in data science. Right. So I can show you the second half of that story. Elon has to participate to be able to show the first half of that story. But we don't have that. Because we have disjointed reporters working on this story, none of who speak to each other. By the way, I offered to give all my files to one of those reporters. They never responded. <laughs> so, you know, people, I, I think it's easy to sort of uh, share an opinion when you when you don't really understand the frustration of what, how difficult this has been to just report on this. And that's another thing I'd like to talk about. Um, you know, for 15 years, I've gone on cable news and talked about all of these tech companies, social media and censorship. What do they all have in common? Well, what we talked about was that they were uh, censoring conservative speech. Now something really important has changed. For the first time in my whole career, we now have one of the most important big tech companies owned by someone who uh, I-, I believe or who says they're on the right. Mm-hmm. Right. So what does that mean? What is that? How does that change the reporting of this story? Right. And this is a conversation we need to have because it's becoming very hard for someone on the right to now report on Twitter without being attacked by a mob on the right for saying this person's a hero. Like, how dare you question the person who's like, I'm sorry, but that doesn't that doesn't change that someone still has to report on what they see. Either way, it doesn't matter if the owner is right leaning or left leaning. If you still see something, you have to say something. Sure. But, sure. you know, in the defense of that, conservatives who want to talk about censorship, they're silent. They, they are, by going after other conservatives who raise questions, they are guilty of the very same thing that they allege that the left does. So let's absolutely. just be clear about that. No, you're absolutely right. You know, I mean, there is... Uh... There's sanctioned topics and there are topics that are too, I guess, you know, touchy for people to be able to deal with uh, or 
certain people believe that it's too touchy. But yeah, we really should be having a conversation about this stuff. And obviously, I think we should be working together. Um, you know, the, the what you've said about the other reporters that are working on the various aspects of this story, um, not wanting to participate in some type of group effort. I mean, that kind of tells me that you know, my, my question from earlier, is this a limited hangout? I mean, it must yes. be because how else... How else can we perceive it? I mean, if, you, if you're not interested in, you know, collaborating and, and having a number of different minds look at these things, I mean, maybe they're just singularly focused on their careers and they think that this is going to launch them into stardom uh, or perhaps they don't want the full story to get out. You know, I, I hate to accuse anybody of that, but anybody who might be listening that might have access to internal information at Twitter and, and could assist in this, I think it would be a, a really helpful thing to do. And, you know, I mentioned Zach Voorhees earlier. H- have you considered uh, uh, collaborating with him in any way? Like perhaps, you know, kind of sharing notes. I mean, I'd be really interested to see, you know, what was happening at YouTube, uh, you know, versus what you have from Twitter. Yeah, no, Zach's been, um, I have collaborated with him. What's so interesting is I randomly met him in a Twitter space where I was uh, talking about this, you know, and he happened to be on Millions of people every day are reaping the health benefits of using cannabis oil, also known as CBD. This new product derived from hemp has fascinated doctors and scientists around the world for its powerful effects on the human body. If you are in need of alternative methods for health empowerment, please visit www.naturalhempoil.com. That's www.naturalhempoil.com. CBD is now legal in over 40 states, and our products are non-psychoactive and contain less than 0.3% THC levels. We also offer products for household pets. NaturalHempOil.com does not claim to treat cancer, PTSD, epilepsy, anxiety, insomnia, joint pain, eczema, or any chronic condition that you may have been diagnosed with. Please consult with a doctor before you take CBD. Results may vary, so give our natural CBD a try at www.NaturalHempOil.com. That's www.NaturalHempOil.com. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. That's why tens of thousands are using this amazing little device from SavePowerBills.com. It's a small but smart gadget that stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your electronics. Just plug it into your home's wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Order now to get 65% off plus many free bonuses before they sell out by going to SavePowerBills.com. That's SavePowerBills.com. Order now. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. That's why tens of thousands are using this amazing little device from SavePowerBills.com. It's a small but smart gadget that stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your electronics. Just plug it into your home's wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Order now to get 65% off plus many free bonuses before they sell out by going to SavePowerBills.com. That's SavePowerBills.com. Order now. Violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed. Between mass shootings, homicides, kidnappings, burglaries, and carjacking, it's never been more vital to learn how to protect yourself. This is why tens of thousands are choosing the Fighter Flare Flashlight. The Fighter Flare Flashlight includes an ultra-bright 800-lumen light, powerful strobe lighting modes for self-defense, a glass-breaking hammer, a built-in power bank, solar-powered recharging, rope and wire cutter, siren, high and low LED lighting mode, and much more. Simply place your order now to get 66% off along with many other free bonuses before they sell out by going to www.fighterflare.com. Order now at www.fighterflare.com fighterflare.com.
A human catastrophe is closing in. Nobody knows how far this one is going to go. You can feel the heat as tension is rising globally. War is expensive. Open a Noble Gold Investments IRA today, and you can claim a free 3-ounce silver American virtue coin. Just use the promo code GOLD. Go to NobleGoldInvestments.com now. Best performance may not be indicative of future results. Investing in precious metals, including gold, involves risks. Consult with your tax attorney or financial professional before making an investment decision. Stage, and my um, reporting was pinned to the top, and he looked at it. And he was like, oh, Kristen, I looked at what your article and your stuff. And I just want to say this is almost like exactly what I shared about, you know, what was going on uh, at Google. And that's when I was like, oh, like, you know, I think I think I needed to use perhaps different words so that under- people could understand because a lot of stuff that I was writing was was like super uh, technical. Mm-hmm. So um, but I'm definitely glad that he, he put us in touch on this, but or, or, or for this. But yeah, it's um, some of the best people that I've met um, on Twitter have been people who just want to get the truth out there anonymous accounts they have like only a few followers what i've learned is that what you mentioned about stardom i think those people possibly already had it and um you know if elon's whole claim to fame is like that he's an entrepreneur right and so i don't understand why he didn't align with other entrepreneurs right you say i I often think well no but i often i i often think that he um doesn't really understand the base that he is marketing to right that base who really wants this full story of free speech uh of how it impacted them and also like uh, success stories in a similar way to him and um the people that he chose in my opinion you you said something interesting um earlier you just said why would they be leaving out the story or why are they not asking for it and my answer in all honesty is because i i don't think that they i don't think they know what to ask for they, they don't know, right? They're not machine learning experts. I, they're, they're focused on a very specific political narrative. And earlier in the show, you said, Oh, wasn't this so surprising? No, like I don't believe anything that was revealed was surprising. And I also think it paints somewhat of a negative picture of, um, law enforcement and federal agents. And, and I want to be clear about that because ha- if Twitter was truly doing their, their job with CSC, of course, right? Like there's probably some emails. For if CSE actually, uh, or, or sex trafficking or any of that was actually handled the way it should have been, which of course we, we don't have any evidence of that at all. But if yeah. it was, there would be emails with the FBI, right? Mm-hmm. Or law enforcement or whatever agency was involved. Like, are we, are we saying that there, we shouldn't have those emails, right? So it paints this bad picture that any interaction between big tech and uh, a federal agency is bad. And that's simply not true. There's nuance in all of this. There's nuance in my reporting, mm-hmm. which I've tried to share. And there's also nuance in the other people's reporting that well, well actually, no, there isn't at all because there, there would be if they showed both sides of the story and they didn't. So, you know, just to your point about child sexual exploitation on Twitter, you know, I thought it was fairly revealing um, during the questioning of Yoel Roth the other day in uh, in Congress when Marjorie Taylor Greene su- uh, suggested that perhaps he had a motivation for not taking down that type of content uh, while he was working at Twitter. Because in his, uh, in his, I think it was either his master's thesis or maybe it was his, uh, his, his doctoral thesis, um, he suggested in a paper anyways, when he was in college, that children, young men, should have access to Grindr, which is, of course, an adult male hookup site. Um, so, I mean, that sure makes it look like Yoel Roth, uh, or at least a, a segment of the people that were working at Twitter were specifically interested in maintaining 
the presence of CSC no, type material on Twitter. I don't believe that to be true. It was a question no? I asked. And from the end, again, this is this is all about this is all about a political show rather than actual evidence. Right. Sure. You could uh, you could read something I wrote and then make opinions like we need actual evidence that shows something. And the answer that I got was we asked repeatedly that we needed more engineers on CSE. Mm-hmm. It wasn't prioritized. And in, in the order of priorities, it was not, uh, we, they didn't staff it. Right. So that, that's, I believe that to be true. I believe that to be like, so can I draw this inference that yes, because they didn't staff it, it means XYZ? Like, sure, you could. Yeah. But you're, but, you're, you're, you're just coming from a, a factual point of view. Like, I mean, we can't really say that <clears throat> without having the evidence to support it. I, and I understand. I, I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, but, uh, you know, just, <laughs> It, 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 it certainly is interesting to see the types of things that they did feel they needed to have a heavy hand on uh, versus the things that they really didn't seem to be all that concerned about. Um, and uh, I, I've just I, I've seen in other areas, you know, there tends to be a link between things like that. But I think you're but absolutely you know what? right. The we reason can't. I say this, the reason yeah. I say this to you is because there is. I wouldn't be saying this if there wasn't so much actual evidence. Like we don't need to be having these conversations about what, oh, sure. well, what, but like, but that's, that's all anyone talks about. They're focused on these personalities when literally like they're sitting on a mountain of evidence. I have like, look at, look at what I have. And that's just a few files. Like if someone actually bothered to look at the evidence, that's it. That's all you need. That is your case period. But the fact that none of that's happening tells me no one is making a case. Do you right? know there is no case? Do, do you know for, for, okay, so <clears throat> when you were given this information, did they just, because you were already talking about this stuff, uh, you were able to make contact with someone, and did you request certain types of data, or were you just handed a folder, essentially, that had a whole bunch of raw data in it, and then you were told to go ahead and sift through it? Because I'm just wondering what the process is for giving this information to journalists and uh, how they decide what's supposed to be given over. Because, you know, as you said, there is mountains of evidence, and I'm sure that the private emails that were going back and forth between any number of employees at Twitter and the federal government would be really interesting and, uh, and on this subject and a lot more. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think, um, in, in this case, I don't know that I would, I don't think there was a process. It's more, again, like something that I'm interested in. Yeah. Again, like when I started this, I don't, I started this because I wanted, to, I, I had a, um, question that I needed an answer to. But then once I got that answer, of course, the way my mind works, like I had another question and then like, so it was more like, okay, like here's this to answer your question. It, there was nothing about this that was a, any sort of normal semblance of a process in any way, because I wasn't someone who was out, right, you know, trying to uh, write something either way. I just wanted to know what something meant. And now here we are. <laughs> it's taken okay. on a life of its own. Um, and But I think that's probably an important part <clears throat> of this, right? Because I think so many people that are... Uh, that are, I don't know, that call themselves journalists, like they are out to get a story. Mm-hmm. I don't think I was. And that's probably why I got like the story of the century here. Cause I, I don't know. I really just wanted to learn. I really like, I was annoyed that I didn't have the answer to something I needed because I saw it. I'm like, how could, how could you put out this picture of a back end? Like it all see the, 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 the whole, like the whole big picture here. And this goes back to where we started with Barry Weiss's reporting, which is like, did you not want to know what those things meant? on that screenshot when you just released this to everyone? Yeah, yeah. 
Did you, I mean, didn't you have questions? Everyone, like everyone wanted yes. to, everyone, there are a thousand questions from one screenshot. Mm-hmm. So in my opinion, like there's just this lack of technical, um, I, I won't say expertise, but I'm going to say is like curiosity. Yeah, I don't know. lack of interest. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe yeah. that. And, and but this is a tech company, right? Yeah. This is fundamentally you're covering the beat of tech, not politics, right? And so you know, I have a podcast that I don't started. I don't really do, but it's called the Politics of Big Tech and Social Media. Um, <laughs> but you'll have to so, change that. <laughs> I know. I know uh, so you know, and you helped me. You showed me how to make a Rumble channel. So thank you for that. Hopefully, you're we'll welcome. get some people to to follow yeah. it after tonight. Um, but. I think we need to get back to the tech part of this. There, uh-huh. This is a tech story, right? It should have been tech first, then politics. If Here's the thing. If anyone bothered to do their job and actually look at the tech, which is what I did, they would get what they wanted about the politics. But because they chose to go after the politics, they missed the tech and they missed the story. That is it. There's no other way to say it. And as far as I'm concerned, it is, it's a disgrace. I'm sorry, it is because th- this is this is the greatest story of our lifetime. This could change history, and to have access to that level of information on a company and to use this for political talking points and to get sub Substack subscribers when you have an entire nation that's about to possibly go under with this with this uh, AI being weaponized at scale against us. Like you could have done something, you could have had a role in changing that, and you didn't. And that's something you'll have to live with. Well, for those <clears throat> with the strong grift, I don't know that it's going to matter. I don't know that they are going to care because that those subscriptions do matter for them. All right, you guys, we are going to take a short break. On the other side of that break, we're going to pick up the conversation with the phone calls on the Foxhole. I want to give you guys a couple of minutes to get from Rumble or Odyssey or any of these other platforms over to the Foxhole. I'm sharing a link directly to my Foxhole channel, also known as Pilled.net. And if you are not a, uh, if you don't have an account at Pilled.net, you can sign up for one very quickly uh, before we pick up the phone calls and just use RedPill78 as your referral code. It lets the platform know that I sent you over there. Uh, And then uh, once we do, we've got four people on the line already. I will pass out the call information one more time before we go. And then hopefully I will see you guys over on the other side of this break. Let me hear. Okay, this is the Zoom link right here. Just to remind everyone, if you have the Zoom application on your phone or your iPad or your computer, all you got to do is click that link. And if you don't have Zoom, uh, if uh, you only have a phone, then you can call the phone number that's on the screen. And then you got to enter the meeting ID and the passcode. Uh, and then once you do, you will go into the waiting room, and one at a time, I will bring you guys in. Please do me a favor. Uh, when you call, make sure that you have a question about AI or NLP or machine learning, and we can make sure that uh, Chris can answer it for us. All right. I will see you guys in just a minute over on the Foxhole. Chris, don't go away. I'll be right back.
right, you guys, welcome back. We are live now exclusively over on Pill.net and the Foxhole. Thank you very much to everybody who is already hanging out here with us. Kristen, there's a couple of uh, donations I just want to go through, make sure that there's no uh, pressing questions before we open the phones and take the first call. Uh, Puddin Hollow dropped a cookie. Omazon said, welcome to the show that never ends. Matt1776 dropped a can and said, Vector is here. Yes, Vector is on the line as well. Web Gorilla, thank you very much for the cookie. Liberty Bells said, much love, Red Pill 78 Thank you, and goodbye. Puddin Hollow, thank you for the cookie. Just Duckies, thank you for the cookie. Boise Blanc, thank you for the cookie. Just Duckies says, uh, what you have to say is very important, Kristen. We can all get caught up in situations that we don't fully understand. And I think it's really easy for people to be distracted by that bright, shiny object. You know, politics and uh, any number of issues, like the the, the media and, uh, and the powers that be, the politicians in Washington, D.C., they use these very specific issues to drive wedges between uh, different sides of the aisle and uh, and to create this anger and this resentment. Uh, and then while we're all caught up in, in issue A or issue B, they're behind the scenes doing whatever they need to do to take care of themselves and uh, and, and their lobbyist friends and all of their donors uh, making money hand over fist. Uh, while the average American person is suffering and they're not doing anything to address it. Um, Boise Blanc, thank you for that cookie. J-Bell, good to see you. Thank you for that cookie. J-Bell, thank you for the can. C-Blanche, thanks for the cookie. And then Matt1776 said, boom, let's get this show started. And we certainly will. Also, just before I ended the show over on Rumble, Cranop had just gotten here and uh, wanted to say hello. So uh, we've got DJ Vector, Scott Gibson, Just Duckies, and then a phone number that that is uh, no name attached to it. So let's bring in Vector first. And uh, Kristen Vector is one of our Australian correspondents. He's calling in from the other side of the earth. And uh, certainly, uh, I think the the control grid that was put in place in Australia is uh, very similar to what they are attempting to put in place here in America. They're just a little bit further along in Australia. Vector, are you there? Yes, Zach, I am here. How are you going? Hello, Chris. How are you going? It's a pleasure to meet you. Pleasure to meet you as well. Um, it's I, I haven't seen you. I haven't spoken to you for quite a while, Red Pill, and uh, I've been in the chat and saying hello and everything. You're doing such a great I've job. Seen you. Thank you. So, uh, yeah, I'm actually extremely busy uh, with my work and and everything. But uh, may I ask Chris uh, Chris a question, please, um, about the AI, Putin. T- talked about a few years ago that uh, the new arms race was the AI and uh, and the countries that that win that war were going to be uh, like like going to gain supremacy um, China as far as I see is gaining a lot of capability in that area especially maybe through special access program secrets stolen through I don't know servers in basements who knows i'm speculating so there's there's that there's that part of it and um i suppose the other thing that was interesting you're talking about elon musk and his real commitment to free speech well i'm still banned from twitter the the twits that were there before my second account didn't ban my show for months and then elon bought the uh the company and now they've they've banned me they didn't give me a reason i've done four appeals now the three the first three were were just summarily dismissed and now i'm still banned uh, and I'm wondering, is it possible he's bought the company because he himself is somehow compromised through his dealings with Tesla and car accidents? Or I'm not, I don't even know. I'm just speculating. I'm not throwing any shade on Elon. I'm saying, what's his motivation necessarily for buying Twitter? Is there more to this? Because he's not giving us all the information and he's putting all these tweets, uh, in charge of 
reporting, we've got you now, and it's like, okay, well, thank God, you know, like <laughs> finally, <laughs> someone who knows what they're talking about, who's on our side, who's giving us the story. This is this is kind of what I want to know because I'm getting confused. So this is fascinating that you've come with this machine learning AI angle to this whole thing because I knew that there wasn't some monkeys with blue hair sitting there pressing buttons and banning everything that we're doing. Um, because I just seem to be blacklisted everywhere, not just on Twitter, but all over the internet. Google, like, yeah, I can't even have a, I can't, I can barely have a Google account. Uh, a YouTube account is totally no, that's a no. So, you know, I'm pretty angry about the thing. Go ahead. To that, to that point, Vector, and I, Chris and I talked about this off the air, but I mean, I, I would imagine, you know, after seeing the level of engagement that the FBI and a number of other federal agencies had with Twitter and with Facebook and with YouTube uh, about what they wanted to allow and what they wanted to be considered dangerous mis- misinformation, I would think that there is there, there's got to be some fair amount of cross pollination going on here. Chris, I'm sure you remember when we first spoke, uh, I told you about the Twitter employee that reached out to me very early on in my channel and said that uh, wow. he, he he said that I was on a list of accounts that they considered dangerous that was scheduled for termination, and at some point they were going to find a reason. They and and they, he didn't say who put me on the list, but he said that that list was shared among the social media companies. It was like you know Interpol's top ten most wanted or something like that. So the entire world could see who the uh, uh, the they're, they're going after and and who they they want to make sure doesn't end up online for too long. And it happened. You know, I mean, it was like I had a couple of articles written about me by Media Matters and just like dominoes one after another. They got me kicked off of this platform, that platform, this donation platform, another donation yeah. platform. It just kept happening. I'm even banned from having a Shutterfly account, like so that I can purchase stock videos and photos. It's very strange. Uh, you know, I mean, I'll, I, I went to sign up to purchase their service and my email was immediately kicked back. They said, we can't allow you to make an account at this time. And so I reached out to them and I said, hey, can you tell me what's going on? And, they're, and they kind of stopped dead in their tracks. And they said, oh, um, I can't tell you anything, but you can't have an account. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. You know, I mean, so like I... I it, obviously, it extended far beyond just social media companies. There is a uh, uh, there is a level of co- a cooperation within the tech industry. So I just wanted you to comment on that. Yeah. So I thought that was a really interesting uh, part of your your story that that you shared. Like that would be a document that I would love to see. Right. That yeah. would be a, that would be a great record request because that would be of uh, interest to the public. Where, uh, you know, if, if that could show collaboration, that that was a shared list and that, uh, numerous tech companies were, were, I would love to see what that, that would look like. Um, so I can't, as far as the other question that someone asked regarding, um, must motivations, like I, I can't, I'm not sure what they are. I wouldn't be able to say, um, what they are. Um, I, I know that he has had other successful companies and so I'm, I'm, you know, optimistic he'll do the yes, same ma'am. here, but I, I do think that he's going to have, uh, an uphill battle a little bit with some of these models, um, sort of just, you know, go- going off the rails a little bit and reining the, the, those models back in. Well, it's know, like he- it's alive. It's already, you know, this thing that's been built. Now they can't get all of the intellectual property from all the, all of these contractors, as you said, that they've disgruntled now and they fired unceremoniously, which deserved it, obviously. But. Uh, again, I think Elon Musk got the money. How hard is it for him to retool the whole thing, build it again, start right. from scratch? 
Yeah. Um, I, th- I think that that would obviously be the, the, the best possible scenario here. But the other thing that I considered is maybe this technology is so deeply baked into the fundamental, like the foundations of Twitter and what it is, uh, yes. that, that to reveal this stuff would almost be to, you know, I guess, you know, reveal how the how the cookies are being made. You know, I mean, you, you can't tell all the chef's secrets. And certainly uh, this is obviously happening and it's it's happening at, uh, you know, wide scale within the company. Maybe they can't reveal it because, I mean, there's just too much at stake. I, I mean, you know, obviously it would take a lot of money to build this a new platform from the ground up or, or to go through and completely remove all of this stuff. I mean, maybe it's cost prohibitive. So one of the one of the stories that I can share is that a few many years ago, uh, someone uh, leaked the Google Quality Rater guidelines, and ever since then, Google now makes them public and updates them for people to see. And so I think that Elon Musk has a really great opportunity to do the same thing here. Uh, I don't think that he'd be sharing something that's worth saving. And I think that's the reason why the request is, is fairly reasonable, right? Like if someone, if you allege to believe and stand behind free speech, then, then there's no reason why you should have an issue sharing how that speech was dismantled. And these documents show that because you wouldn't want to uphold that. Mm-hmm. Right. However, the, if you do want to uphold it, then you're not going to share it. One of the things that I learned um, from the source that I thought was interesting is that, you know, they said there's no such thing as neutral AI, that something has to be positive and something has to be negative. Also with reinforcement learning, like what behavior are you reinforcing? Uh-huh. Right. And we don't have any answers from Elon Musk about that. And, and uh, also with the Digital Services Act, right? Like he, he's going to have to comply globally with legislation around this. And so to sort of say that free speech is going to be so different on his platform it is not, I don't, I, it can't be, right? We need to come to terms with the fact that the, there, there's law and order that these companies are bound by at this point, right? And the Digital Services Act, for example, is a large component of that. So no matter how great or grander your, your illusions of a free speech really are, you're going to be held back with some of those, uh, with, with some of those restrictions. And so again, I don't, I don't really think he believes in, in having a PR person. I think he fired the, the PR team at Tesla. But if I were doing his PR, I would say, you, you need to communicate with the public differently about this. You need to have, you need to do expectation setting in a reasonable way. You need to give them proper timelines for how long it's going to take to do things. And you also need to not make blanket and broad statements that your free speech exists, but no one else's can on the, on these other platforms because that sets it. He's actually setting himself up for failure, right? Cause exactly yes, what you're, you're, what this person said, which is, wait, why is this still happening? Uh-huh. Uh, you, you told me it wouldn't. Well, because he doesn't believe in things like having a, a communications specialist, like massage certain uh, messages, that's why we exist, right? That's why there's entire industries that do what we do, because those details matter. Those and misunderstandings will happen, right? Like otherwise yeah. people will construe things not the yes. way that they're supposed to be. That's why we have press secretary yes. speaking to the White House. Well, not the one we have now. We, that's not what I'm talking <laughs> Karine Jean-Pierre, you you make an excellent point. I mean, you know, and there has been much said about Elon Musk's, you know, sort of uh, uh, autism or whatever he's got. You know, I mean, like there's a portion of his brain, uh, you know, that is missing in terms of like how best to communicate certain things. Well, I just well, so I know that he said he's on the spectrum and I I, I don't believe that. I don't think a portion of his brain is um, missing. I think that's probably his. 
his greatest asset. For lack of a and better so, term, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm often told that part of my brain is missing when it comes to the way that I act about certain things. So I understand also, it. I mean, listen, I've written a few tweets about that and I've deleted it, but you know, I've done a lot of rooms on, uh, neurodiversity inclusion, especially in the tech space. And I think that that's, again, another opportunity where he could be drawing, drawing in other people like himself mm-hmm. who are neurodiverse, who would love to work for him. And- I'm an autist and an anon. We call they call us autists because, yeah. you know, these people are so OCD about their digs and attention to detail, dotting the I's, crossing the T's. It's like the likes of which I've never seen before. And that's why I love these people because, and I want to be associated with them. And I have been for years because they're just so honest. They don't want any money. They just want to get the truth out there. And uh, I think that's what we're all about because there's no truth anywhere. And it's really getting me down and discouraging me the last couple of days, if I was being honest with you, Chris and, and Red Pill. Well, yeah, it's all, it's, listen, it's all been discouraging. Like it's yeah, been discouraging yeah. now and disheartening for two months. Like I keep, like the fact that like, <laughs> Sometimes, like, what more do you want? People have complained about the, this this topic of, of censorship and social media for like I don't know years now. Mm-hmm. I, I've yeah. literally released these documents. You, they could, like, I, it just has made me question and re-question, and rethink of everything I've ever known. Well, if I might say, I, I think that perhaps there's uh, a, there's a bit of AI fatigue going on right now. I mean, people are so tired of hearing about AI or, you know, what's happening behind the scenes. Uh, they think they already know everything about it or that it's not really here yet or it's not uh, a threat to us in any way. Uh, when in in actuality, I mean, it, it poses a severe threat. You know, I mean, you mentioned that there is there there's uh, uh, there. I don't I forgot the term that you used, but I mean, you know, somebody has to tell the AI like what's good and what's bad. And, uh, and I don't think that it has the ability yet to really make that decision for itself. But I think that's the point that they're trying to get to where it will teach itself what's good and what's bad. But at that point, I mean, it's still going to be using a point of reference that was injected by a person. And <clears throat> once it is able to do that, uh, then I think we're in a very, very dangerous space because, uh, you know, if it suddenly believes that all people are bad, you know, or all speech uh, is 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 disinformation based upon a certain data point, then, you know, we may all find ourselves without the ability to express ourselves online or even in personal conversations. Well, and, and to be clear, it's not it, it, it's it's not suddenly it already does. And it, ha- and it yeah. has for, for years. That's it. That's literally the story I'm trying to tell people. Right. There's this PR campaign right now. That's like this. 2023 is the year of A.I. It's like, no, mm-hmm. 2020 was the year of A.I. Like it's been the year of A.I. for many years. Yeah. What's really odd is that for whatever reason, people want you to believe that this is the year of A.I. Yeah. Well, but like the, anyone the, in the space knows it's not. This, is the, year, here, this is the year that they're telling the public to embrace it, really, you know, except your AI overlords, because it's already here. Listen, Vector, well, I want to make sure we get all these other callers in here, buddy. So uh, we, we got to bounce off. But I wanted to say thank you very much for the call and for the question. All right, brother. Thank I'll talk you. to you soon. Thank you, Red Pill. Appreciate you. See you later. We'll see you soon. Bye bye. All right. Let's bring in Scott Gibson next. And uh, Scott, you're on the air. Go ahead and unmute your microphone. Let me ask you to unmute your microphone, and perhaps that will do it. There we there. go. Awesome. Sorry well, about that. No, it's no problem. I appreciate you having it muted, actually, because most time people have the stream going in the background. Anyways, I welcome to the program. Muting the stream first. Yeah. Uh, Zach, a longtime listener, uh, circa nine. Uh, sorry, uh, twenty eighteen, I believe January. Oh yes, uh, thank must you. Have been, uh, near the beginning, I think, of your uh, broadcast. Certainly uh, was. I appreciate you being here. 
Well, really appreciate your, uh, yeah, I haven't called in ever before, uh, but I really appreciate your, uh, uh, your bringing the truth uh, consistently. Thank and you, Kristen, sir. I appreciate the work you're doing and uh, the voice that you're uh, bringing to uh, this uh, issue, which, which I completely agree with you that what we're seeing right now in, and, you know, in Congress is um, it's almost a dog and pony show um, I appreciate what the you know what uh, Jordan and and the Republicans are trying to do there, but um, you know I think you're right. The people they're bringing are not really the right people. Um, you're just you know you have a guaranteed response that you're going to get from them. Um, now I don't know how much background you have in machine learning. I'm a software engineer of 37 years, and I've had some limited experience with machine learning. Um, and basically what you know what you have you start out with uh basically a blank slate and a learning engine and you take uh you know a bunch of data input data and you train that blank slate and so you know what they would have had to have done in this case uh, is have uh, you know tons of examples of tweets that they wanted to have classified in a certain way. And, you know, the, part of the input data could even have been um, the profiles of people, what they, you know, like uh, when you have your profile and it's maybe, you know, mega or pro, you know, pro Republican or whatever, that's part of the input. Mm-hmm. And so the, the training, I, th- I think, would really have been done by these thousands of uh, people around the world that are doing manual like marking of tweets, and then over time that 's basically fed into the machine learning, and the machine learning is now acquiring whatever bias those people had and so um, I think that the challenge for uh, you know elon uh, you know we 've trained we have used machine learning in my company and uh, for uh, various things, not totally, not anything related to this, but um, and it, it's it's kind of a mystery once you've trained the machine learning to be able to go back and say, now, why did it make the choices it made? Because it's, a, you know, a, a, a classic example is a neural net and you literally have no idea what what why the in, outputs are coming out the way they are. You've just trained it a certain way, and so as you feed it new inputs, it will generate those, you know, corresponding outputs. And so it's it's really not. Uh, I don't know that it's feasible without simply releasing all of the training data, which That's would have been sense. all of those, you know, everything they've censored them manually. Uh, I think that's the only thing that they could do. They could release everything. That would be kind of fantastic. And we do have, you know, millions, I think, of anons at this point that would uh, go through that data and find those consistencies, possibly even, you know, you've, I know there are a lot of software engineers that were anons and, are, you know, are analyzing things, and they may run that training data through their own machine learning models. Um, and I think that I saw uh, Elon say at one point that we may have to, you know, he may have to throw away the models that he has. And I think that would be basically mean retrain from, you know, from the ground up. Yeah. Um, he has that to do probably, that. That's probably exactly what he needs to do. 
Um, but I don't I don't know that there's anything he can release other than the full set of every decision that was made. Well, we don't. Yeah. So I don't I don't think we need all of that um, because there could be P.I. personally identifiable information attached to that. That's but true. what he right, could right. do is release the, the underlying vocabulary that's attached to at least this one data set that I have. Right. It's not everything, but it just it will give people it will help them understand um, you know, again, the end to end story here where, where it starts and then where it goes and, and how, how, how we're getting to that list of detective words and why it's detecting certain words that it is and why it's pulling them out. And for anyone who doesn't know what I'm referring to, the hashtag is, uh, Ruby files on Twitter and you can see lots of examples of detections and arrays of those, uh, those words that were pulled out of tweets. So what I'm sharing is the actual words that were pulled out. And then there's a column to the left of that, which has the person's handle or multiple people's handles and the full tweet. Um, but I also think that they could definitely release the, the equivalent of, of possibly what Zach had released of the machine learning fairness program. But okay. even that guarantee they right. had one because they had a, a head of the meta, they called it meta, uh, division. And so there's, I'm sure there are tons of decks. And slide decks that we would love to see. Like, what did machine learning fairness mean? You know, Kristen, I, you had mentioned uh, that there in in your documents there may be some personal identifying information. I mean, I, I, I I'm assuming that that means like somebody's handle or something like that. Um, or are you saying that like you know legal names and any other personal identifying information are, is that included in there as well? Well, I, well, I don't know. I mean, so for what the gentleman just asked, it could be for what I have, it's the handle names. Okay. And so part of what's stalling me here is that that was the follow up question I had to Elon Musk over a month ago mm-hmm. when he said, yes, you can release it as long as you don't include um, this information. I wrote back right away or at least an hour later and I said, OK, but what about that? And I never got an answer back to that. So here we well- are. Well, you know, I mean, just thinking about the other data that was released, I mean, when the federal government and, you know, Adam Schiff, as an example, had certain accounts that he wanted removed, like i.e. Paul Sperry and Greg Rubini, uh, you know, he specifically asked for those accounts to get suspended or to be removed from the platform. And so that information was revealed. And I mean, a whole host of other very small uh, content creators, you know, just people, regular people with accounts, you know, 50 followers and the federal government uh, is asking for them to be removed. I mean, that was in those other files that were released. So, I mean, I would assume based upon the information that's already come out from these other reporters that you would be a okay to put that stuff out there as long as it doesn't include like a legal name and a picture of their home or something like that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to assume when, when yeah. we're talking about liability, right? Because everything, all of those, everything went through legal and legal yeah. has approved everything that has been released. Elon Musk has no idea what I have. He hasn't seen it. Uh, he, I'm sure maybe he knows who the source is if he's read my DMs. Mm-hmm. However, he doesn't, he's, he's saying yes to something he doesn't know what he's saying yes to. Sure. So the liability is 100% on me. Like that's again, not something any of those other reporters have. It's not a great situation to be in. He certainly hasn't made it any better. And I'll leave it at that. Okay. Okay. I see. So full disclosure, I haven't been following your uh, Twitter before today, but I will now. Thank you very much. Thank you. And thanks. Thank you so much for your um, commentary on machine learning. It was really interesting. Yeah. Thanks for your input, Scott. I appreciate it. And please don't be a stranger. Call back in the future. All right. I will. Thank you. All right, brother. You have a great night. God bless. We'll talk to you soon. Go ahead, Kristen. Um, no, I think I think he brought up a really great point about um, 
what he's saying is is important, right? That that training part of it, I haven't, I don't know that I've even thoroughly covered what he just said, but it's an important part of the story. Someone is training that to say, every time you see MAGA, this is what it means. Every time you see the word patriot, every time you see the American flag emoji, right? Mm -hmm. Like that would be really interesting to look at because someone did make those decisions. Yeah, yeah. I would love to see where it all began, you know, because I mean, at, you know, at some point, well, I mean, I guess I would assume just, you know, as, 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 an, as an outsider watching the censorship as it started, you know, to kind of trickle down. I mean, it started with hate speech, you know, I mean, they're talking about, you know, anti-Semitism and white supremacy, you know, and then they start l- lumping in like Patriot, MAGA, Trump supporter underneath that umbrella. And then they kind of uh, uh, just begin to expand the scope of what they're actually looking for while at the same time denigrating anybody who uh, considers themselves as a Trump supporter or conservative as part of that group, which includes white supremacists and anti-Semites, you know, whatever it might be. But just to be clear, right, I don't want to be on a platform where there is uh, anti-Semitism. Like, I think that a lot of people don't. And so, like, this is where we get in, in this whole sort of free speech conversation where you have some people who say, oh, people should have the right to say that. Like, I, I don't actually, like... I, I have different thoughts on that because I don't, I don't want to, that wouldn't be a great platform to be part of. Right. So everyone's going to have a different definition, but to your point, what you're saying is important, right? Because there are core things when you actually just follow the law of what speech is allowed and what speech is not allowed. Yes. That's uh, what, I, that, that's what I'm interested in. And I guess what I was trying to make a point uh, on was the false equivalency between those two yes, things, you know, which is the, great. Yeah, there, there's nothing illegal with, you know, protected political speech, you know, and but it's it's a slippery slope when you start regulating, you know, certain types of speech, you know, as long as it falls within the boundaries of the law. Personally, mm-hmm. even if it's disgusting, you know, I have the right to block you. I don't have to listen to what you're saying. And I think that, you know, the the more uh, obscene that your speech is, the fewer people are going to want to be a part of that as well. And I, I think that it'll sort itself out. I mean, it, it seemed like it did before. And at a certain point, they started using that as an excuse to to restrict larger and larger buckets of speech, yes. even though they didn't necessarily have anything to do with each other. Uh, okay, so I'm going to bring in uh, Just Duckies next. <laughs> uh, Just Duckies, we're waiting for the audio to connect. And uh, while I'm waiting for that, let me say thank you to Nakaz808, who said, thank you, Zach. Great interview. Glad to hear you're enjoying it. Redeemed Patriot said, thank you, Kristen, for your neutral eye and common sense explanations. Uh, WC Cranop, thank you again for the donation on Rumble before we end it, said, uh, this is for Vector07. I figured it out. GPs, that is. Uh, Wild200X said, I love the show. Casey dropped a phone and then Insight Gino. Good to see you, buddy. Dropped some shades. Just Duckies, are you there? Can you hear me? Your microphone is not connected. And we won't be able to speak unless you can get your microphone sorted out. Looks like it is in the process of uh, of working. Just duckies, can you hear me, buddy? Mm-hmm. All right, <laughs> all right. Listen, uh, just duckies, uh, you're not talking. So what I'm going to do is bring in the next caller. If you get your microphone sorted out, just sit tight and uh, wait for the next caller to finish their question before you break in. Uh, Caller 9223, can you hear me? Yes, I can. What's up, man? Excellent. Who am I speaking with? What's up, dude? This is Adrian from Rise of Tire, man. Oh, 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 Adrian from Rise of Tire. So good to hear from me, buddy. How you doing? Doing great, man. How about yourself? Excellent. I am doing very, very well. Uh, welcome to the program. Glad to have you here. 
Yeah, glad to be here. Uh, glad to be not listening to that whole music anymore. It was driving me crazy. <laughs> Is there actually music while you're waiting? Oh yeah, it's like a it's like a nightmare, like a infomercial nightmare or something. <laughs> I've never actually waited on hold on my uh, on my own call before, so I had no idea. That's hilarious. Uh, you know, let me say this, too. Uh, you know, once again, I- I've said this publicly on the air before, but I just want to say congratulations once again to uh, Mrs. Rise Attire and you. We uh, we were just looking through our uh, our Christmas cards that we had held on to, and we saw your you guys' Christmas card and-, and read it again, and we were just like, my God, they're so sweet, and they're so beautiful together, and how, how wonderful that we could be some small part. Part, uh, of uh, of you guys in this beautiful uh, reunion that you've made for the rest of your lives. Uh, thank you so much, man. Sure. I mean, I, I think you're a bigger part than you give yourself credit. This whole uh. this whole community is is very uh, <laughs> plays an important role in our relationship. But um, I want to say what's up to Chris, and uh, you know, thanks thanks for taking my call. I have a sure. pretty uh, deep question. Um, so. Basically, back in 2019, when Twitter was popping and I was like all over it, you know, I had an account. I had like 10,000 followers and was like super involved in the, uh, the, the, you know, the info war that was going on on Twitter before they banned everyone. And um, I remember there was this incident that you guys might remember yourself called the, uh, well, they named it the El Paso shooting. It was a shooting that took place in a Walmart in El Paso, Texas. Oh, yeah, and, I remember uh, that for sure, yeah. Yeah, so um, I remember, like, as soon as the news broke about it, I was, like, all over Twitter, you know, trying to figure out what was going on on the scene. And uh, all these videos started surfacing because, the, you know, the, the main story or the public narrative was that there was, you know, your typical one-man crazed shooter and uh, that he had just sort of gone in there and started shooting. But uh, the the story that we were getting from the ground was much different. Mm-hmm. And there were these videos that were surfacing. There was like three or four different videos that I remember seeing that were people who had been at the Walmart and had basically gotten on their phones and uh, like after they got out of the Walmart and they're, you know, you could tell these people were actually there. They were crying while they were recording it. There was like, you know, clearly they were, they were, telling the truth and mm-hmm. basically what the story they were recounting was that uh there were multiple gunmen dressed in all black in like tactical gear yep and that uh these these guys were just running in and uh gunning people down and people were describing you know di- having to dive into like uh you know these like clothes you know where all these like clothes hang were hanging and like hiding in clothes racks and, and basically breaking out of there. And they were all saying that like this story that there was just one, one kid is, is false and that there were guys in black masks and that they were shooting that, that Walmart up. And, you know, obviously that's, I was like, Holy shit. And we started, I started sharing that out. And wouldn't you know it only a few minutes later, these videos started getting pulled entirely. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just the videos. It was the, the the accounts that were sharing the original videos mm-hmm. were getting totally pulled. Now this was it happened within a few minutes, and before I know it, there was no trace of these videos anywhere on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Now to pull that off, I would imagine you would need some sort of algorithm 
that would be actively seeking this out, which means that it, they would have to have some sort of prior knowledge to it. I mean, I'm not, I'm not suggesting either way, but to me, that's, that seemed like the only logical explanation. Now, uh, my question is this, uh, have you seen any, uh, buzzwords or, or keywords in your in your research that have to do with mass shootings or any kind of shooting events? No. And uh, I also want to know what, what you think of that or what you think the reasoning might be for Twitter taking down what, to me, seems like very important information for the public to be seeing. So I wouldn't be able to comment on that particular situation. I don't have any evidence in the data that I have that speaks to anything in that category. So I can only speak to, to really what I have. Um, I will say, though, that I read a legal document yesterday, which I thought was interesting, um, about a separate court case. And they were, they were explaining, uh, they were explaining how certain information is monitored. And, um, they will, for example, like DHS or CISA will coordinate with, uh, the heads of these different social media companies to say, oh, we, this is misinformation. This needs to be escalated. And then once they have things in place, um, and the disinfo experts talk about this in their research papers as well, which, uh, once something hits like a virality threshold, they can actually try and lower that. Um, I don't think that what, what you're describing is that, but I do think I, one of the things I find really fascinating is how much they actually reveal of what they're doing in these academic papers that no one reads. Like, it's just fascinating to me. Like, that's why earlier when you were like, oh, um, we didn't, um, this, the Twitter files, everything that's released is new. But the more that I read, like, I think that people who read through these, these, uh, different legal cases and, and pairing that with, uh, for example, like they did a thread on DHS today on Twitter, um, and the, the fiscal budget and searching for machine learning and natural language processing. And you can get just like just such great insight into like what they're thinking about and where things are headed. And, you know, I just think that the media doesn't really cover that. I don't, I, I don't know why, because it, it, again, it's like going back to the source. And I, I think that's good information. I, I don't know if that's helpful for you. I don't know why it would be um, removed. That's all I can really say on that. You know, I mean, just yeah, from, me, from I mean, it was a disturbing. It was pretty disturbing uh, expose of what their what their intentions are. You know, yeah, absolutely. Very, I don't know what their intentions. At the bare minimum, are. their their intentions have to do with suppressing information that uh, is literally a matter of life and death for people. You know. Well, so here's the thing. Sometimes they get it wrong. I mean, this so the Hunter Biden laptop is a perfect example of where. They got it wrong and then that lasted for, for a while. But I will say, I think, um, in my reporting, it says something like a 40% false positive rate, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's like, that's massive. That means a lot of things are wrong. And, um, also, uh, if you look at the data that I've shared, one thing that's important to note is like not all the things that are flagged are necessarily removed. Uh, however, they, they have this sort of accumulated score that you see, which, which is concerning. And again, that means that like the, the, that NLP isn't really working the way it, it should be. And that's also requiring then more actual labor involved if, if it's wrong. So for example, like, um, under politician in that category, you see Brandon, 
for, for let's go Brandon, right? Like let's go. Brandon's not a politician. Like it's in the wrong category. So that's why, like when Elon Musk was asked about my, my reporting in a space, he was like, I wouldn't even call it AI because it was so primitive. And I believe that to be true. Like we are looking at primitive technology here and like, I'm looking at a, a spreadsheet of how this was done. Like, it's just, there's a lot of, I, I think it was flagging things in a way. I talked about this too, candida, right? If you look at stemming, if you take that word candidate and in NLP stemming it, or stemming it is getting the word to like the, the root of the word. So you remove candidate, you get to candida. Okay. Well, like, what if you're selling a candida cleanse? That then means that anytime you're saying candida, it's getting flagged by Twitter as political misinformation. Another one, by the way, is Acura. I kept saying, what did Acura do to Twitter? Like, what, what did the car company do? But oh. really, Acura is a stem of accurate. Well, that's a big <laughs> problem. That's a massive problem if Acura was an advertiser of Twitter, but mm-hmm. then because of that word stem, they're getting flagged. Another one for the election today that I saw, USPS was flagged around um, voter fraud. That's a problem if, if, if they were advertising. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. same thing with Dropbox. If you took the, the biogram oh, yeah. of Dropbox, I said to them, like, I'd love to know, is Dropbox suppressed? Because Dropbox is, is an engram on there. Sure, sure. You know, what's interesting to me, you mentioned that score. Are you talking about a score like for an account, a score for the tweet itself? The uh, tweet. The tweet, okay. Uh, and then, so how was that divvied up? Across the account, though, were they keeping track of uh, the scores that were cumulative across the uh, the, the lifespan? That's a real you. That is an excellent question, and that's actually exactly what another data scientist asked who looked at this. Yeah. It would be great if we could get an answer to it. Certainly, <laughs> if you are a, listen. If you are another data scientist who previously worked at Twitter as a contractor and employee, whatever, like. I would love to to speak with you. Um, I will maintain you will stay anonymous, but like that's a really good question. I would like the answer yeah. to. There are many questions we need answers to. I would also like to make a public plea to that former Twitter employee that reached out to me back in 2019. I don't know if you even still listen to the show, uh, but it would be awesome. I mean, you've reached out to me again in the past and you said that you weren't working at Twitter anymore and I don't have your email any longer. I would so appreciate it if you were to reach out to me. I would love to put you in contact with Kristen because even if you're not there, maybe you still have some documents or maybe you have a deeper understanding of how this stuff works and you guys could collaborate on something and you could do it anonymously you would not have to come forward i'm sure that Kristen would uh you know uh, appreciate whatever you wanted to uh uh, to make this happen all right well listen adrian i really appreciate the question man and i want to thank you for calling in yeah absolutely man and um while while i'm on the line i want to say a big shout out to the mats for for making this amazing platform we love it and uh it just gets better and better every update Absolutely. And, uh, if anyone wants to get some awesome Foxhole merch, just hit that merch tab. It's in the left can- left-hand column at the bottom. Grab something. Me right and USA, baby. RiseAttireUSA.com. Hit them up and get some Red Pill 78 stuff while you're there. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon, man. All right. Peace. All right. Peace. All right. And, you know, I, this is a good time for me to mention, but there are some new features that just launched on uh, Pill.net and Foxhole. Uh, you can now search for images and GIFs inside their search, uh, uh, I guess, schema. Uh, so, like, if you're looking for a particular meme, you can actually 
use the the words that describe the meme and it'll find it. So like if you're looking for, uh, I don't know, uh, a picture of uh, Joe Biden eating an ice cream, chasing uh, a group of school kids, if that meme exists, then you could actually search for those terms and it would actually be able to find it within there. I mean, there's like 1.5 million images and gifts that people have uploaded to uh, to pill.net. So you can get pretty deep on this stuff. And there's more. We'll go over it a little bit later before we end the show. But I want to make sure we get to just duckies because we've got about 15 minutes left. Duckies, can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you guys okay. hear me? Yes, we can hear you now. Excellent. All right. Well, yeah. Welcome good. to the show. Thank you for your patience as well. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I was kind of struggle busting there. No worries. No worries. We got you now. So, yeah, what's your question or comment for Kristen? All right. Um, so going through and listening to a lot of this stuff, uh, my my first, I guess, general question, because I'm not very uh, uh, intelligent in this sort of section. Um, so do you think that, you know, being, being in a non, seeing a lot of the, you know, deep state and all that, how deeply entrenched they are in every sort of aspect, do you really think that like, there's an AI sort of like connection between a lot of these things? Cause I mean, especially listening to what you were just saying to, to Adrian, um, if they're like trying to block and censor different words for, you know, certain reasons for, you know, whatever. I mean, you say like, I I don't remember the food, the food connection you just made, but like, I mean, there was Pizzagate. So, you know, you have that sort of thing. And do you, do you think that that could be like further connected with a bunch of different sources Wait, when you say there was, are you saying that as a fact that Pizzagate existed or are you saying that as a conspiracy? Well, no, I mean, it, it was certainly something that people were talking about. So just yes. by the by the logic you used earlier for, you know, for those other terms, I would imagine pizza would probably be in that list of things that uh, they might want to uh, just Mike keep an eye on. Yeah. Got it. Um, okay, so I will say this, like the term, first of all, before <laughs> we're... Before even getting involved, like, I don't really even think I, like, deep state was not something, like, that was a new term to me after, like, doing this. But deep state is an engram in the data that I have. Uh So that tells me, there was another one, um, what is it, Project Mockingbird, I think? Yeah, yeah, Project Mockingbird, yeah. Yeah, so I think think that's what it is, right? There's all of these terms that I think other people talk, like... I'm not like, I, I don't know if we're co- calling them conspiracies or what or this or like, I'm not someone who's ever talked about any of these things. I never said anything about, uh, you know, the election and uh, or election integrity or did Trump win? Did he like any? I have not provided commentary on that. And yet I find that like I'm entrenched now in the most controversial issues of our time because they're in their engrams in this list. And uh, so I think that's yes, I think a decision was made. On all of these things, someone is saying these are this is not a fact. And I think the perfect example of that is with election integrity. They have said Twitter stated in their terms of service. which I went back and read that they said we will there will be visibility uh, shadowing on certain things or downranking, whatever term you want to use uh, if you question the election. I don't think most people read that. I certainly didn't at the time. But um, so. That's a whole other model, by the way, for civic integrity. So I have some of it, but there's so much more that I don't have. Well, I I know, like, there, there's definitely a a connection 
Now, where that connection is or can be found is I, I'm, I know it's definitely like you're doing a lot of research and coming across a lot of things that can connect to one thing. Like you just said, you know, you're getting entrenched without intentionally getting entrenched in a lot of these topics. But um, when you look at just how astoundingly connected everything is, it really makes you wonder, like, obviously there's, you know, I, I mentioned Pizzagate. Okay. I personally dabbled in a little bit of it. Like I, I haven't looked that into it because it's, it's such an atrocious con like, uh, isn't that a known conspiracy theory? Well, here's the I'm thing. Sorry. Here's the thing. Uh, there's, there's, you know, the the idea of something being a known conspiracy theory. I mean, like that is a label that's used to denigrate it and make people have a, a, a bad uh, opinion of it, a negative, uh, you know, shadow negative that's cast over it. It's like, well, and as you know, as an example, okay, so Project Mockingbird uh, or Operation Mockingbird, rather, that yeah. was a declassified CIA program to insert agents into media rooms, newspapers, television stations, radio stations all over the world so that they could have a presence in those uh, media rooms so that they could control the flow of information and ensure that uh, reporting was sympathetic to the goals and desires of the CIA. This is not a conspiracy theory. It certainly is a conspiracy because it was a secret program that was developed by the CIA, but it's it's not a theory because it's been declassified. The information is out there. And in today's modern world, we have uh, people who are working at mainstream media outlets uh, who, you know, will openly tell you that they've done work with the CIA or, you know, I mean, they'll certainly be pushing CIA talking points and, you know, and to that end, you know, deep state talking points. I mean, really, the, the deep state to me is that secret uh, you know, not public bureaucratic level within the federal government that is pushing an agenda, whatever that agenda might be. You know, yeah. so it, it certainly appears as if they want the country to go in a certain direction. And, you know, obviously, election integrity is part of that. They don't want people talking about that. They don't want people talking about certain subjects that are, would be uh, antithetical to the ends that they are trying to uh, to push on people. They want people focusing on gender equality and diversity and inclusion and, you know, all, all of these things. But they don't want us talking about censorship. They don't want us talking about uh, corruption within the government. Um, you know, so, I mean, you know, that's that's the deep state to me. But the idea of conspiracy, I mean, it's, you know, it, that that that's so people look at it and with derision. OK, yeah, yeah. So I, I'm sorry, I'm not I'm okay. not trying to get off into a, a different sort of tangent. I'm. I, I guess, like me personally, I look at certain things that haven't necessarily been declassified yet, proven mm -hmm. for a fact yet, if not by myself, but by anybody else and kind of like gone viral in any sort of fashion. Sure. I don't if I can't like technically prove it for myself, then I don't. I, I guess, yeah, it would be a conspiracy at that point since I haven't theory proven it anyways. yet, but. Yeah, well, you know, here, here, here's the thing, you know, when we look at the subjects that clearly the federal government and these acad academics don't want us talking about, 
Um, you know, and you have issues like election integrity, which I think a lot of people agree on. You know, certainly most everybody on the right believes that we have a problem with election integrity. People on the left don't believe that, uh, you know, not universally, but I, I mean, you know, there is a segment. Uh, and so they brand it as disinformation. You're not allowed to talk about it, you know, so therefore the conversation stops. Uh, and then there are things that they would brand as just, you know, wild conspiracy theory, things that uh, they they certainly don't want you talking about. It kind of puts it all into the same pot and it makes you think, you know, maybe there is something there if they are just saying that they don't want us to talk about it. There is nothing to it. You better turn around and, you know, don't ever talk about this ever again. You know, as an example, mm-hmm. something something that previously was a taboo topic, uh, the idea of UFOs, if that was brought up on mainstream news, they would have been brought up with a snicker and uh, they would have made fun of somebody for for talking about, you know, if they had an experience or something like that. But now the Pentagon is announcing and, you know, the AP is reporting and CNN and MSNBC that the, the government shot down a UFO. I don't know what it is. It's unidentified. It was flying. It's an object. Uh, but the fact that they're calling it a UFO, that's very strange. You know, whereas before you you couldn't talk about something like that. They're 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 push. They're, they're moving us through the Overton window. You know, they're changing things. For some reason, I don't know what it is, but now suddenly they want people talking about it. I don't know. But uh, just duckies, I, I, you know, I appreciate your call, buddy. We, we got to move on to uh, the last caller. And uh, thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, not a problem. I appreciate right. your guys' time. Absolutely. Thank you, thank you sir. Right, thank take- you. And uh, and, you know, Kristen, you know, I understand, you know, as somebody who has not even considered any of these things for you to now get lumped in with everybody who's researched anything that was on the fringe. I don't think it's it's fair. Um, But uh, I mean, that's that's definitely a tactic that I've seen used in the past. You know, I mean, like when I've been attacked by people uh, and, and members of the mainstream media or just, you know, fringe activists on the left. They will connect me uh, and what I say to something that somebody else has said or some crazy subject that I may not have any idea what they're talking about. Um, but again, it's that false equivalency. They they want to yes. denigrate you and, and they want to lower your profile and also tell people that you're not somebody who should be listened to, even though clearly the content of what you're reporting on uh, is very important and it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with what somebody else does or says or, you know, even considers talking about. Yeah. Okay. So final caller of the night, Bruce, the Batman. We'll bring him in. <laughs> Bruce, can you hear me? Yes, I can. How you doing, well, Zach? Excellent, sir. Welcome to the program. Uh, and you, as I said, you are going to be the last caller of the evening. What, what do you have for uh, Kristen? What do you think about this? Well, first, I want to say thank you, Kristen, for what you do. Um, there are some things that you've opened our eyes to that really make us understand a little bit more the behind the scenes aspect of it. Um, I just, I, I wanted to bring something to your attention. I don't know if, if you're, if you follow any of it, but the, the backstory on Elon Musk being one of DARPA's biggest contractors. Are you familiar with that? I, I'm familiar with his, his, uh, some of his government work. Yes. Okay. SpaceX, um, certainly. Yes. There, there were speculations that Elon was actually given Twitter or given do- money to buy Twitter as uh, payment for something or, or to bring it to light, I guess. Um, I don't know if you have any insight on that, and I was curious if you did. 
So I, I don't actually have any insight on that. And I'm, and I'm also at the point, the unfortunate point, which, which we talked about earlier in the show, which is that even if I did, which I actually don't, but if I did, I don't even think I'd say it at this point because it just, it, it just riles up an angry mob of conservatives at me for questioning anything about this, this person, which is really unfortunate because that's not right. Right. Like if I'm going to, if I'm going to question the left, then I need to be able to question the right. I need mm-hmm. to be able to objectively look at both sides of something. That's how, that's exactly what I'm doing with this data. And we're reaching a point, which I, I find to be dangerous, to be honest, in, at least in the space of, of, of social media reporting, which is we, we can't silence people. We can't put them into submission where if you start asking questions, I mean, the other day I, I said something, I said something that, that is, that is a, a fact, which is that, <laughs> Twitter spaces, which is very popular right now, um, I, I, which people are using for news is, is great. I have nothing bad to say about it. I, I ran the largest, um, club on clubhouse for 15,000 members for Republicans and conservatives, right? So I'm familiar with the technology, but I'm also familiar with how law enforcement can use that technology. And I was told that in, in you know, d- direct terms last year that my rooms were being monitored, which, you know, I, it suddenly stopped doing them. That was one, one of the many reasons why. So I did a tweet the other day saying um, the same thing can happen and how Twitter spaces are actually a great way to really round up dissidents. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I ended up having to remove that tweet because again, it's like, People perceive that to say that I told them to stop talking or you shouldn't use the technology like it's some sort of anti-Musk tweet. And what, what I'm saying is not about Twitter. I'm not talking about Musk. I'm talking about the same thing that I'm talking about and have been for two hours, which is how AI can be weaponized against you. I don't know. We know the tweets were used in training data, right? The, we know that what you write. But I believe that um, Twitter spaces... Um, voice to text is going to be used in training data. And when I asked the source that, the answer was yes. I said, how is Twitter space is going to be used for training data? They said, of course it will. And we use everything to train. So mm-hmm. that makes me wonder, like, that is all sorts of red flags for me. Like, what? Mm-hmm. where is this going? To mm-hmm. me, right. that's infinitely, like, scarier, I think, than some of what we're seeing about um, how these tweets were, were classified or labeled. And, and the other reason for that is because if you have, you know, I don't know, 2000 people right now in a Twitter spaces uh, room talking about why they hate Biden, like anyone can pull that data and use that and start doing narrative campaigns with AI to, to try and get them to change their opinions. Right. It's it. These spaces are in many respects, the new form of a political rally. But I had mm-hmm. to delete my point. My very real point, I had to delete it because it somehow was perceived by his base as attacking Musk. You know, it's just like conservatives. I don't know like what they're, well, what they're doing with all of this. If I may, if I may, considering the forum, we don't really know that the people who were angry with you were actually real people. I mean, it very easily could have been a bot army. Everything is a smokescreen now, Kristen. I mean, we can't really trust anything unless we have a person in front of us with a folder that they've, you know, part of a document that they've signed. Everything that we're seeing could so easily be a manufactured event. Uh, and, and a lot of the times it is, you know, I mean, we live in this culture now where people are not accustomed to uh, using logic. They're they're not accustomed to actually 
thinking about things and uh, formulating an opinion based upon the evidence that's been presented. We have like a 15 second uh, world that we live in. I mean, everything is immediate. It's now we have to have an opinion right away. We have to react to it. Our emotions have to rule and people are just not using their brains. Uh, I am personally very concerned about the future of humanity because, you know, it took us it didn't take us that long to get to this point. You know, and what happens when the AI is doing all of the thinking for us and we're basically like that movie Wally, you know, I mean, we're shuttling around in hover chairs with a big gulp and all we have to do is watch TV and look at our phones. But but that's kind of where they want us to be, Zach. Absolutely. No, that's that's my point. That's where they're pushing yeah. us. Yeah. I mean, look at look at the movie Idiocracy. We're Absolutely. there now. You know, you, you've, you've got the, the Wilson brother is basically Joe Biden. <laughs> yep yep but real quick one one last thing uh Kristen, uh do not give up on podcasting please i think you have a voice that needs to be heard and i think you need to bring it here to the foxhole and like zach said earlier you can use him as your referral code that would be fine <laughs> sure I'll, I'll be happy to help you get a, a channel over here i think you'd have a large audience right off the bat Thank you. I, sure. I don't even know what that is or where we are right now, but <laughs> thank you. <laughs> it's, a, it's just I'm, a streaming I'm, platform where you don't have to worry about getting banned. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm like thrown into this whole other world. I'm telling you, my background is like being a commentator on cable news. So this is very different. The live stream, this whole circuit, but you're, you're bringing me into it. So thanks for that. Yes. Awesome. Glad to hear it. And thank you. Thank you. All right. Red pill. God bless. Uh, God bless I'll you, be Bruce. seeing you. Uh, we'll be down in April. Okay, hit so, me up, man. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll do lunch. We'll go to the range. I would love that. Absolutely, brother. Right. That'd be All great. Right, All right. God All bless. God bless you. Take it easy. We'll see you. All right. So, Kristen, you have run the gauntlet <laughs> on Red Pill 78. We've really taken you through your uh, trials and tribulations here. So, uh, at the end of the show, I always like to ask my guests, what would you really like the audience to take away from our conversation tonight? So, what I want people to understand, I'd like them to take away that these issues are really complex, that this story is complex, that I think that people really want a sensationalized headline and they're not going to get it for me, at least. They'll get and I don't think, I think it actually does you a disservice to get that uh, because there is nuance involved in, in some of this. And it also requires a lot of concentration and learning and um, some of that's being done in public, actually a lot of it on Twitter. So I, I call it journalism. There's build in public, but I call it journalism in public. So uh, a lot of you have been part of the story. A lot of you wish to remain anonymous who are, you know, data scientists, ML experts. And just if you can offer any help in this, like, please do let us know what you think about the reporting. And you can find it on my website, rubymediagroup.com. Um, the real story of how Twitter censored uh, speech with natural language processing. And I'm sparkling Ruby on Twitter. All right. Awesome. And people, if they do want to reach out, if they are uh, someone with this background or maybe they used to work at Twitter or maybe they currently do, they can DM you on Twitter. Do you want to give an email or anything like that? Would you prefer just that? They can. So my DMs are closed, but you can email me. Um, You can. My emails in my uh, Twitter profile. Um, I know that like Twitter fired 4000 contractors and those many still have their laptops, (laughs) which Twitter is now trying to get back months later. (laughs) But um, so so by the way, that's a national security threat. Right. Because if people can use that data for blackmail or or to sell it online, that concerns me. That really concerns me. That's a whole other topic. 
It's another ball of wax entirely. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. All right. Let me just, I think we have uh, a couple more thank yous to give out over here. Uh, Wild 200X, uh, I said that when Casey, oh, say just WC Crane up, dropped 1,776 gold pills. I just may be able to fly here again, my friend. Learning curve, am 63 years young after all. And then let me make sure over on Cash App and buy me a coffee. Uh, also, I got a whole bunch of Awesome items in my mailbox this weekend, guys. On uh, Monday on Red Pill News at 6 p.m., I will be showing those off live, including a, a handmade, uh, a, like a America the Beautiful Vote uh, Hawaiian shirt. Somebody made it for me from, uh, I guess, their, their own pattern or something like that. It's pretty sweet. I've never seen it. Uh, Jerry, thank you, Jerry Bond. Appreciate that over on Cash App. And then over on Buy Me a Coffee. Kristen, if you don't have Buy Me a Coffee, then I would highly suggest getting it. It's a great way for people to support your work monthly uh, and uh, very simple. But when you're over on Foxhole, people can donate gold pills to you. It's basically like, you know, one one penny is one gold pill. And uh, when people purchase packages on them, they can send uh, a certain amount and then send a special message to you. And then it, it shows up in the chat. And it's like a super chat on YouTube if you've ever seen those. So, uh, okay. Basically, I just wanted to say thank you so much to Kristen for being here. Thank you to the Mats for creating Foxhole. Thank you to the audience for hanging out with us tonight. Uh, it's Saturday night, so all of these shows will be available here. Uh, the audio podcast will be out in a couple of hours, and then I'll be off tomorrow, uh, and then I'll see you Monday at 6 p.m. for Red Pill News Live. So until that time, everyone, good luck and God bless, and thank you again, Kristen. Thank you for having me. Have a good night. Absolutely.
When it comes to stubborn belly fat, we're all searching for a miracle pill. Generally, you have to use multiple products that target belly fat differently to manage excess weight around the stomach. Some products may focus on abdominal exercises or dietary changes, while others might focus on boosting metabolism or controlling cravings. But believe it or not, I may have found a solution that removes the need for juggling through multiple weight management products. It's called Belly Trim, and it's more effective at targeting belly fat, enhancing metabolism, and promoting a toned midsection better than most weight management products I've seen typically found on store shelves. Tens of thousands of five-star reviews back up the notion that Belly Trim is not only a breakthrough in a bottle, but that it also removes the need for us to use countless diet pills and fat-burning supplements. But there's more. If you place your order for Belly Trim now, you'll also receive 51% off free VIP live health and fitness coaching for life, two free new e-books titled Top 10 Foods That Burn Belly Fat, and Top 10 Exercises to Reduce Belly Fat, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee, and last but not least, free shipping. Simply go to www.trimwithus.com. That's www.trimwithus.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's www.trimwithus.com. Order now. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. Talk to enough people, and you'll soon realize nearly everyone's shocked at their recent electricity bills. Some studies reveal energy costs have skyrocketed by as high as 60% in as little as two years. That's why tens of thousands are installing this magical little device from SavePowerBills.com to help slash their energy bills. This sophisticated gadget stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your appliances and electronics. Simply plug it into your home wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this device is one of the most efficient ways to save money while beating the greedy power companies. But there's more. If you order now, you'll also receive 65% off, fast shipping within the USA, hassle-free returns, and last but not least, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee. Just go to SavePowerBills.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's SavePowerBills.com. Violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed. Just recently, a politician was carjacked by three armed attackers outside his home in Washington, D.C. This comes several months after another politician was assaulted in the elevator of her building. Between mass shootings, kidnappings, burglaries, and carjackings, it's never been more vital to learn how to protect yourself. This is why tens of thousands are choosing the Fighter Flare Flashlight. The Fighter Flare Flashlight has awed people with a wonderful design and massive light output. On top of an ultra-bright 800-lumen light, it boasts powerful strobe lighting modes for self-defense, a glass-breaking hammer, a built-in power bank, solar-powered recharging, rope cutter, siren, and much more. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this flashlight is the latest and greatest in the EDC market. But there's more. If you place your order for the Fighter Flare flashlight now, you'll also receive 66% off, free express shipping, and last but not least, a 100% lifetime guaranteed replacement. Simply go to www.fighterflare.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. www.fighterflare.com. Order now.